You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? You are listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. Not over yet. No, there is another. Chewie, we're home. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to a new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on, and I guess now we just have to say the the future of the Star Wars saga and uh, all the upcoming films. We used to say, you know, episode seven and so forth, but now that The Force Awakens is out and we've had time to watch it a bunch of times and digest it, it's like there's not a whole lot more news to talk about there, so... um going to have to switch up the intro a little bit. But anyways, um, as always, I'm your host, Kyle, and uh, here with me to talk about all this stuff is my co-host, Tim. How's it going, Tim? Hey, Kyle. Doing good. Yeah, I got a new level of excitement now because before all those episodes anticipating the release of The Force Awakens in theaters, now it's anticipating the release of The Force Awakens on Blu-ray and digital and just the fact of getting to watch it in the comfort of our homes or on our iPads and phones, that's just going to be... As awesome as almost going into the theaters and seeing the movie for the first time. So I can't wait for that. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, although for me, I mean, I might be more excited about some of the, the behind the scenes stuff and all that because I've seen the movie eight times by now. Um, <laughs> obviously, once it comes out on Blu-ray, I'm going to watch it several more times and, you know, many more times over the years. But, um, you know, that that initial anticipation of I need to find out what's going to happen and who all these new characters are and stuff like we know all that now. Um, which is also a great feeling. Like it's, it's awesome to have this new star Wars movie and, uh, for all the, the anticipation and everything to finally be behind us. Um, which, you know, at the same time, obviously it was a fun time and, you know, we spent three years talking about it and speculating about it and all that. So I wouldn't trade that for the world, but at the same time, I'm glad to have been able to see it again and again and again. Yeah. And then just to be able to, Watch it anytime you want, really. Say, you know what? I feel like The Force Awakens. I mean, it's, you don't have to get in your car and go to a theater anymore. Just, you know, turn on your TV and Blu-ray player or just turn on your phone or iPad and start watching it. And just pick the part you want to watch. Or if you have to only watch half of it and pick it up later. Just all that stuff you get to do when the movie comes out on a home release. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be great. The only thing is... um my shelf space isn't going to look as neat and complete as it did <laughs> with like, the big box set, all six movies nice and one, and then you got you're going to have the seven box right by it. I'll probably have to wait till episode nine to get you know the complete 
new complete saga set after that's released and who knows what movies they make after that what they're going to do 10 11 and 12 but i have a good feeling that after nine they're going to do a whole other complete box set release and oh i'm sure once i get that my star wars uh blu-ray shelf will look a lot better and more nights <laughs> nice and orderly yeah now are, are you telling me tim that you didn't get all the the blu-ray steelbook editions that came out uh, I am embarrassed to say I did not get those ones as much as I wanted to. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I just couldn't justify the purchase of all six again just for the those cases are awesome. I really wanted to, but it's like uh, probably better to save my money for the Force Awakens stuff, which was coming around during that time. So I did not get those ones. Yeah, I mean, I didn't get them either, but I'm just surprised that there's Star Wars stuff that Tim does, or you know, a, a, a Star Wars home video release that Tim does not own. I am. Um, I'm going to make up for that with the Force Awakens Blu-ray, though. I'll say yeah. that right now. <laughs> I, I was just going to say because they there is a, a Best Buy exclusive Steelbook edition. Anyway, I feel like we're jumping ahead of ourselves here. We're already like just talking about this stuff, and we haven't actually read the official announcement <laughs> yet. But we'll get to that in a second. Um, you know, there, there's a Blu-ray uh, Steelbook edition that <clears throat> that you can get that um, you know fits nicely with the uh, the other six. Uh, steelbook edition so that could fix your shelf problem but that that's an expensive shelf fix if you don't already have the other one through six first believe me i thought of that when i saw the image of the steelbook case i go oh man that's gonna be awesome to have but if i have that i'm gonna have to have the rest of the six movies to go along perfectly <laughs> with that so i don't know maybe i'll go way out there and splurge and get those other six <laughs> once i see how awesome this looks I'm like oh, i gotta have the rest in that collection yeah, it's definitely a a tough it's choice. Tempting, man. But anyway, so so backing up just a little bit, um, if you haven't heard yet, uh, it was officially announced recently on StarWars.com that The Force Awakens is coming out on Blu-ray and digital. Um, watch on on digital first on April first, and then on Blu-ray on April fifth. Um, and uh, like we're talking about, there's going to be some different versions available from different retailers. Um, I think, let's see, Target is going to have, um, well, actually, the, the Target version comes with an, an additional 20 minutes of bonus content, um, and we'll talk about all the, the special features and stuff in a second, but, um, and then the cover of the Target one is kind of like, um, it, it's kind of like split into six sections, kind of like a TIE fighter wing, and then, then it's got um, the pictures of... Kylo Ren, Rey, Finn, Han, and Leia, and then BB-8, and they're kind of like from those uh, promotional banners that came out before the movie. Um, and then Walmart, uh, they've got a, a special collector's edition cover with uh, BB-8 on the front, um, and then it also comes with one of those, um, like the Galactic Connections trading disc things. Um, and then uh, the Best Buy edition, like we were talking about, comes with the Steelbook case, which looks really cool. And I'm thinking I might get that version, but I also might get the Target version just um, you know, for the bonus content. Obviously, that's a, a huge plus there. Um, and I think um, it doesn't say exactly what kind of special features are on there, but it says including never-before-seen interviews with Daisy Ridley and John Boyega and a deeper look at the movie's costumes and weaponry. Um, so it should be some cool stuff in there, you know, looking at, like, the, the props and costumes and weapons and, you know, probably some of the production design elements. Um, but also the uh, the bonus features that are going to be included with all of the additions um, we've got the feature length documentary called Secrets of the Force, a cinematic journey, um, 
you know, just showing like all the behind the scenes stuff and talking with, you know, cast and crew and filmmakers and everybody um, throughout the whole process. So obviously that'll be, um, you know, a, a great thing to watch and, uh, you know, see the whole process from start to finish on how they made the movie. Um, they've got then some smaller featurettes, uh, one called The Story Awakens, The Table Read, and, you know, just talking about... Um, talking with the cast about that first table read and sort of that iconic first picture and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, just, you know, what it was like to all come together for the first time. Um, they've got one called building BB eight, um, one called crafting creatures. Um, you know, so those will be cool to see, you know, how they brought all the aliens and the droids and BB eight and all that kind of stuff to life. Um, I've got one called blueprint of a battle, the snow fight. And, uh, you know, it's all about that epic lightsaber duel at the end of the movie. So that I'm actually really interested to see just because if you've seen any of the behind the scenes photos, I think there was like one picture in particular that, um, and I want to say it was the cinematographer for the movie who I believe was Dan Mindell, um, on his Instagram page, he was posting like some behind the scenes pictures and there was one of that fight in the snow and whatever props they used for lightsabers actually lit up. And like, yeah. I want to know what those were. Like, were they just fighting with force FX lightsabers and, you know, put, similar, put yeah. the effects in afterwards? Yeah. It, it looked a lot like them, but then again, I mean, the amazing thing about those force FX lightsabers is, I mean, when you hold one in person, like you can clearly tell it's a toy, but they photograph like real lightsabers. Like if you, if you take a picture of one or, or a video of one, when it's lit up, especially if it's in a dark area it looks exactly like a lightsaber. It's yeah. no longer a red tube. It's like a white tube with a red glow around it. And it's like, man, how did they do that? Um, yeah, so just look at your Twitter profile picture as a perfect example. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you're really holding Kylo's lightsaber. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, when I first you know saw how that picture came out, I was like, man, that is really freaking cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously if they didn't do it, I mean, if they weren't using force effects lightsabers, I'm sure they were using something a little bit more, professional but it was probably based on that same kind of technology and was probably something real similar just i mean maybe they had sturdier tubes or something like that so they wouldn't break from all the fighting but um anyway again that's why i'm really interested to see um you know to be able to to watch that and see uh the behind the scenes of how they did all that stuff um then they've got one called john williams the seventh symphony um you know very fitting that they'd have that on there and, uh, you know, him talking about composing music for yet another Star Wars movie. They've got uh, one where it's going to be talking with ILM about um, the visual magic of the Force and, uh, you know, how they did the special effects for the movie. Um, there'll be one about Force for Change um, and that whole initiative that was going on, um, you know, during the, the movie's production and stuff. And then um, this came out a little bit later. There, It looks like there'll be six deleted scenes um, one called Finn and the Villager, uh, one called Jakku Message, uh, X-Wings Prepare for Lightspeed, Kylo Searches the Falcon, Snow Speeder Chase, and Finn Will Be Fine. Um, so, I don't know, I, I kind of wish there were a few more deleted scenes, but at the same time, like, I'm glad to be getting anything, and, uh, you know, I, I always love seeing stuff that didn't make the cut. Actually, now that I'm looking at this, I realize it doesn't look like... There's going to be a scene with uh, Chewie tearing out Uncar Plot's arm, <laughs> unless yeah, that's the Jakku like message. That. It's like the guy from Jakku coming to Takodana to deliver a message, but somehow I doubt that's what it is. Um, I'd be a little disappointed if we don't get to see that at some point. Yeah, maybe they'll save it 
uh, eventually, you know, for the tenth re-release, the Force Awakens will have down the line. But um, yeah, this whole set that we're getting for the Force Awakens overall, I'm real happy with the special features. The big one for me that I'm just can't wait for is the sequence of the Force Awakens the cinematic journey. I said this before, how I was hoping we get a documentary that's like um, the episode one documentary, the beginning, because I still think that's one of the best DVD special features for any movie, just how it uh, really gave you an inside look from the production of the movie from the beginning up until its release. So it was just really well done. And we'll see if it's in that same style where they go, you know, from the very early stages of production up until the release. But judging by the length of it which is 69 minutes i think it is going to be something like that and i just can't wait to see all the ins and outs that we're going to get an inside look on for the making of this movie because uh there's so much cool stuff that you know went down and filming this from the casting like i said this table read is going to be its own special feature which it's only four minutes but i i just wanted to get it it'd be cool to see that whole uh process that went down where all the actors got together because we've seen that iconic image now so many times of all of them on that table read it'll be kind of cool to see that now and like visually in video where it's moving maybe you'll actually hear dialogue of them reading at the table so that should be really cool so um if we get stuff like that throughout the whole secrets of the force awakens the cinematic journey it's going to be awesome so that's the one i'm really excited for and as far as the deleted scenes um i'm kind of with you where the Looks like it's not going to be anything too groundbreaking or that's going to add anything really cool to the movie, except for the, for me anyway, is the one we kind of knew about already was that Kylo searches the Falcon. And you can see a little bit of that in the actual trailer for the Blu-ray, and it looks really cool. And just seeing snowtroopers, we get to see a better look at snowtroopers walking the Falcon, then you just see Kylo Ren walk on there and just says Han Solo. So it looked neat. And the only maybe other knock I'd give on the deleted scenes it doesn't look like they're going to be, you know, completed how the prequel deleted scenes were. Because, you know, a lot, pretty much all of them on those DVD sets, uh, Lucas had ILM complete, like, the effects shots and just make them like they would actually be in the movie. This one you can kind of see in the trailer where it's not the case. It's not, like, the finished film quality. And you can tell it is a se- sequence that was deleted. So we'll see maybe in the final, when we actually get the Blu-ray disc, it will be look like it's completed but if not i would say it'd be a little disappointing because i'm kind of used to that now with the star wars movies because the prequels i thought did such a great job of making it look like they actually could be in the movie so yeah i'm excited for it as i mentioned before just can't wait to get the movie and watch it anytime i want but it has the special features i was hoping for so the big one of course was a full-length document Full, full length documentary and I'm getting that so it's going to be geez, almost watching that documentary is going to be almost as exciting as watching the movie at home for the first time I'm really looking forward to that so if like I said if it's anything like the episode one the beginning we're in for a treat yeah no and I totally agree I mean like I said I, I saw the movie a bunch of times in theaters already so once I get this on blu-ray I'm like the first thing I do might just be pop it in and watch all the special features um and yeah I'm I'm very happy overall with what we're getting. Um, I was kind of worried that since the movie's coming out so close, like after the uh, after the theatrical release, I was like, oh, I really hope they don't just like rush it out and, um, you know, give us like just the movie and maybe like a couple extra, you know, small featurettes or something. Um, so, you know, I, I know obviously, you know, some movies come out with even more stuff than this, but I was like, hey, we're getting – a feature length documentary, we're getting deleted scenes and we're getting, you know, a few other, um, in-depth, you know, featurettes and stuff. So I'm more than happy with that. Um, I guess the, the one 
big sort of thing that's missing right now that I know is a disappointment for some people is that um, this is not go- – it's not a, a 3D Blu-ray. Um, like the 3D release of it won't be available till sometime later at an unspecified date. Um, that doesn't affect me at all because I don't have a 3D TV and I don't know many people who do. But I do know like one or two people who are like you know kind of disappointed that they can't get that yet. But um, I'm sure that will be out at some point, um, whether it's over the summer or whether it's later, like towards Christmas time or something like that. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's going to be out there eventually. Now the big question, Kyle, which version are you going to get? <laughs> uh, well, like I said, right now I'm still kind of just torn between the the Best Buy Steelbook cover and the Target version with the, the 20 minutes of extra scenes. Um or, you know, extra, you know, bonus footage and stuff. I mean, honestly, I mean, as cool as the the cover looks, I'll probably end up going with the Target one because at the end of the day, like, getting more in-depth material and, you know, getting to see more about the making of the film, like, that kind of stuff means more to me than how it looks sitting on my shelf because, you know, that's not what you buy it for in the first place, even though it does look really cool to have, you know, a cool collectible cover and stuff on there. Um... So I don't know. I mean, we've still got like a month to to make our final choices, but uh, I'm still, like I said, it's down to one of those two. Yeah, I already decided I'm going to be picking both up. <laughs> <laughs> of I course. Pre-ordered, I pre-ordered the Best Buy exclusive online because I had to make sure I got that one because my Best Buy, it's like notorious for not having things, <laughs> a lot of copies of stuff when I try to get it, even on the first day. So I had to make sure I get this because I'm sure it if you don't pre-order it, you're probably not going to get it, especially at my local Best Buy. So I had to make sure I got that. And like you said, the Target one is one you have to get just because of the extra bonus features. And you know, as much as I try to be a Star Wars completionist, um, having those extra 20 minutes is something that I would have to have. So that was probably priority number one. I, I probably should pre-order that one, but my Target's better at having multiple copies of stuff than Best Buy. So, But just to play it safe, I probably will pre-order that one also. So... Definitely getting those two. I mean, before it was just going to be the target. And when I, because you heard, I believe Best Buy put some images out for the steel case of Kylo Ren, but not the back of it. With <laughs> so when I saw Captain Vatlan on the back, I was like, okay, I have to get this now. <laughs> yeah. And then also on the, once you open it up, like the inside of it has that image of uh, the Falcon, you know, flying low on Jakku with the, the TIE fighters flying at yeah. it. Um, you know, one of those first images that was released from the first teaser trailer, which I actually have on like a, a custom case on my iPhone right now too. Um, so, I mean, that's really cool to look at as well. So, oh, man, see, that, that's why I'm like, man, I really want that Best Buy case. It's like <laughs> a, every side and every angle you look at it, it's like there's something cool on there. Yeah, every part of that packaging is just awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm definitely getting those two in, but I have... One more thing I'm still debating on is the digital release because it does come out a few days before and <laughs> how impatient I am with Star Wars and stuff. Like, do I want to get the digital one and watch it over the weekend and then get the Blu-rays when it comes out a few days later? Because you do get a digital copy when you get um, the Blu-ray versions too. So it's not like we're going to get one, but will I be patient enough to hold off and not watching the movie for another, for a few days. And I'm looking on Twitter and I'm seeing everyone saying how awesome the Blu-ray looks and how amazing it is to see it again. Am I going to fall into that and just get it 
on April 1st as well. <laughs> I probably will. I'm probably not going to be able to resist the temptation, but there was rumors a few weeks ago where it was saying, oh, the digital might release like March 15th, like a good few weeks before the Blu-ray. But we now know that's not the case. And if it was mm-hmm. releasing next week in March, uh, I would definitely get the digital no-brainer like that. If I have to wait a few weeks, yeah, I'd definitely get it. But now that it's only a few days, it does make me question if I'm actually going to do that or not. But it's tempting. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, I know for me, I'm just going to wait and, and wait for the Blu-ray. Because, I mean, even though I've got a pretty nice-sized computer screen that I could watch it on or, like, watch it on my phone, like, you got to watch it on a, an HD TV for your first time watching it at home. Yeah, that plays into it too. <laughs> it's like, does my first experience really want to watch it on an iPad? Yeah. Yeah, but I have to see it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll probably be going back and forth on that Friday. It's like, do I click the buy button or do I not? Yeah. Oh, we all know you're probably going to click it, Tim. <laughs> I know. I'm weak. <laughs> 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 Your finger will be like hovering over the buy button, then it'll be like the force. It calls to you. <laughs> <laughs> Click. <laughs> oh man. Um. Well, yeah. So I mean, we were kind of talking about this before we started recording. That it, it's kind of weird to think about. Um. That's like probably the last big piece of news we're ever gonna have in regards to the Force Awakens. Um. I mean, at this point, it's it's not really going to win any more big awards or set any more box office records or anything like that. I mean, they might, you know, re-release it in theaters like before Episode Eight comes out, so you can like watch both back to back or something like that. But, um, you know, I'm sure we might hear something small about it every now and then, um, and obviously, probably depending on how long we wait to record our next episode, like somewhere sometime on, you know, our next couple episodes, I'm sure we'll, uh, you know, talk about all this stuff, all this stuff in depth once we've seen the Blu-ray and gotten to watch all the special features and, you know, talk about our, our favorite deleted scenes and what we thought of the documentary and all that kind of stuff. Um, but there's not really anything else big on the horizon as far as the force awakens is concerned. It's like, it's yeah. out now we've seen it. It's, you know, made a crap load of money and now it's going to come out on DVD and Blu-ray so everybody can watch it. And, uh, that'll be that it it sort of, you know, just slides into its place in the star Wars canon. And, you know, you put it up there on your shelf right next to one through six and, you know, all the, the hype and anticipation sort of shifts to, uh, you know, the focus shifts to the next movie. So, yeah, it's it's an end of an era, really. I mean, yeah, like you said, we've seen it a bunch of times, and once we get it in our possession at home, I mean, that's gonna be it. And we'll probably get other stuff like we'll talk about later the comic adaptation and the making of book that I'm sure we're gonna get um, later down the line. But other than that, this is gonna be it for the Force Awakens stuff. Or or we could still talk about the disappointment of it not winning any Oscars <laughs> that night, but. Uh, don't get me wrong. Yeah, <laughs> no, it is disappointing that it didn't win any. Um, it, it got robbed on sound mixing. I'm sorry. <laughs> the sound of that is awesome. Anything yeah. Star Wars with the sound. Like, how could anything be better than that? Yeah. Well, and I mean, obviously, they take the whole movie into account. Um, and to be to be fair, I still haven't seen Mad Max Fury Road. So all those awards that it stole from Star Wars, like, I can't honestly say that star wars was better just because i can't compare the two but still 
I mean, Star Wars is always going to be higher in my book because it's Star Wars. Yeah. Um, but just like the clips that they showed when they were presenting at the Oscars and, you know, they did like a – for each movie. I forget if it was sound editing or sound mixing. Um the one where, you know, they just went through and did just like a sort of a rapid fire montage of sound effects from the movie. Yeah. Like I thought The Force Awakens clearly had the best one of those like short presentations. I mean, obviously it's like 10 seconds that you're using to represent the entire two hour movie. So, you know, there's a lot more to take into account. But I was like, man, that movie sounds good. Yeah, that was the one that really got me where that it didn't win because you just hear it's like oh man you hear the classic lightsaber sounds the sound of the falcon and tie fires they're just so iconic and maybe that was part of the reason it didn't win because it wasn't new it sounds that it won for back in 77 so maybe that's why it didn't win this one but still mm-hmm. like how can you compare to that yeah but, yeah it was disappointing because i still want to have that feeling i mean it doesn't make or it's not that big of a deal when it comes down to it but it would be nice once in my lifetime to see star wars pick up an oscar awards because i wasn't around i wasn't around when it went back for a new hope so yeah it'd be one day maybe for rogue winner episode eight it'll get it but right yeah. now i'm still waiting yeah well we'll see i mean at least you know we can sort of take comfort in the fact though that it did get nominated for five awards which was nice um and i mean if you think about it I mean, everybody knows, like, sequels hardly ever get nominated for Oscars, much less the seventh movie in a franchise. <laughs> like, normally, the seventh movie in a franchise sucks or is, like, a straight-to-home video release. Or, you know, <laughs> there are very few successful franchises that have seven-plus successful movies where the seventh movie is still getting Oscar nominations. Um, so I, I still take that as a plus. Very good point, yes. That would be a good way to wrap it up, so <laughs> not to feel too down about it in the end. Yeah. So moving on and passing the torch now on to um, – you, you know, I'm going to say passing the torch to Episode 8. I know we have Rogue One coming up and um, you know we'll, we'll definitely talk about some Rogue One stuff here in a minute as well. Um, but I mean, A, I've – mentioned this several times before like now that the force awakens is out um and we've seen that i mean rogue one is almost on the back burner for me now like i'm excited about it i'm gonna go see it it's gonna be awesome to see you know more stuff set in the the galactic civil war era with you know the empire against the rebellion and x-wings and tie fighters and all that awesome classic stuff that we love but now that we've seen you know and and gotten our first taste of Ray and Kylo Ren and Finn and Poe and BB-8 and, uh, you know, finally at the end of the movie got to see Luke Skywalker again for 10 seconds before the end credits came up. Like, I want to get right back into that. And, you know, I, I want to see Luke and Ray traveling together and discovering the Force and... I mean, whatever else, like I have literally no idea where they're going to go with the story for episode eight, except that I know I want to see more of Ray, more of Kylo Ren, and hopefully the Knights of Ren come into play somehow. Um, and obviously lots and lots of Luke Skywalker. Um, but like, that is, you know, what, what I'm mainly excited about now. And, um, it's sort of fitting because, uh, just, you know, a, a couple weeks ago, um, after we recorded our last episode, uh, the big announcement came down that yes, episode eight now is officially filming. It's in production. Um, they've released a nice little teaser video to go along with it. 
Um, basically showing pretty much the same scene from the end of The Force Awakens where Rey is handing the lightsaber to Luke, but it's Ryan Johnson who says cut and then says, you know, everybody welcome to episode eight. Um, and so, you know, people were kind of speculating about this. And then I think Daisy Ridley confirmed it later that um, episode eight basically starts right where seven left off um, and, you know, kind of starts with that same scene. And obviously we'll see kind of what happens from there and you know what the interaction between luke and ray is um so yeah i say bring it on like i kind of can't wait to go through you know the same thing with episode eight that we did for seven and uh you know just following the production of it and seeing where these characters and these stories are going to go next yeah this was so cool to get i mean the fact that they gave us a little teaser video was just amazing because we i would just expect a press release like we got announcing the cast, returning cast, the new cast, and that it's officially in production, and that new 8 logo, which in itself still looks pretty cool. So, mm-hmm. But the fact that we got a video and actual looks to be footage of it, because um, I don't know if you felt this way when you first saw it, but I wasn't sold right away that what we were seeing between Luke and Ray was from Episode 8. I thought it was something they could have just done for this teaser video, where it's definitely a different angle and a different shot, but I thought maybe it was a different take from The Force Awakens that J.J. took, and they just used that and put it together for this teaser video for the fans because, you know, it was a big moment in the movie. It's where Episode 7 ended, and, of course, we all know Episode 8 is going to pick up after that. So let's show a little uh, thing to the fans, a new uh, version of the ending for Episode 7, and just slice it in with whatever Ryan Johnson shot at Skellig Michael during that shoot in September. So I thought there was just some, you know, clever editing going on just to make a cool teaser video. But uh, like you said, Daisy Ridley did say at the Oscars where um, I believe her, uh, I'm going to paraphrase her, but pretty much she just said that it was kind of, it was amazing to shoot the same scene that we did for episode seven, but with Ryan Johnson. So she yeah. Said her, and her, well, and I think she said with a whole different crew mm-hmm. um, because I, I'm pretty sure um, and I'm kind of looking at the names here and I know some of these are familiar, but yeah, I mean, it's a different director, different, uh, director of photography and, you know, I'm sure some of the production designers and editors and people like that are not all the same that were on episode seven. So, and you know, because different directors have different people that they like working with and that they've worked with in the past and stuff. And so, um, yeah, it's like you're in the same location in the same outfit, looking at the same Luke Skywalker, but there's a whole different group of people behind you. Um, yeah. Cause I was kind of thinking, are they, whatever they shot at Skellig Michael for episode eight, or they wanted to keep that a secret and not reveal what that is yet. So for this teaser video, let's show them what they already know from this moment in the movie from episode seven, Luke meeting Ray for the first time. But yeah, the, cause I just wasn't sold that that was going to be from episode eight because that is a new, I guess, debate that it's going on amongst fans right now is that, a Star Wars movie is picking up right after one ended, which is going to be different. And I've seen some uh, people react where, why do we need the crawl in if we already know what's going to, if it's taking place right after the last one ended. But I'm not entirely convinced that the movie is going to start with that all over again. I mean, we can get an opening crawl telling us what's going on and start with a totally different scene. And then when we do go back to Ray and Luke, and they're maybe doing something completely different. They're in the middle of their training, or maybe they're, you know, sitting by a fire eating something, and something sparks a conversation of like Luke saying, "Ray, do you remember the moment you first came back or first came here with my lightsaber?" And then it does a little flashback to that moment again, 
and we see her handed to him and what takes place right after there. So with The Force Awakens, we know uh, it brought flashbacks into a Star Wars movie, which we really haven't gotten before with Ray's Force vision. And of course, we saw her as a little kid. So it's not unprecedented to think we can get a flashback in the middle of a Star Wars movie. So, I mean, maybe it will start off right away with um, the moment of Ray meeting Luke, but I'm not entirely convinced about that right now. So just one of those things we're going to have to wait and see when the movie comes out. But where are you on it right now, Kyle? Do you think that's where it's going to start or could it possibly be later down the line in the movie as a flashback? Well, okay, I don't think either of those two things. Here's option number three. Um, I definitely don't think it's a flashback. Um, I know, like you were saying, we kind of got flashbacks in The Force Awakens, but, I mean, there was so much talk about that during the production and, like, oh, this movie's going to have flashbacks and, you know, Star Wars movies have never used that before, but we're going to see young Luke and young Leia and we're going to see Vader and whatever. And obviously that didn't happen in the the context that we heard rumors about um it was sort of a flashback but it really was just in the context of this is the force showing her a vision it wasn't like sort of a a storytelling um trope if you want to say and it yeah. it wasn't like oh now we're flashing back 10 years in the future and here's a whole scene i mean it was really fragmented bits and pieces of things um some of which we had seen before like you know we we saw the brief shot of like the uh the hallway on bespin um and then you know a lot of new stuff with you know luke and the knights of ren but it was all very sort of um you know hinting at things that happened or hinting at things to come and all that sort of stuff um and it wasn't really you know it wasn't like a coherent like flashback that told part of the story it was it was all just like i said sort of very fragmented like hints and things like that um so i don't think they're going to take that farther in episode eight um i i think that was something to sort of you know drop little hints of things that are going to get expanded on in the story later explaining what happened between episode seven and eight um and i don't think that or sorry between episode six and seven um, and I don't think that kind of stuff needs to be explained through flashbacks. I think that was just to sort of whet our appetite and get us thinking about like, oh, where did Ray come from and who are her parents? And, you know, I, I think we can get the answers to that stuff later without having to have it be told through flashbacks. So I don't think this scene with her and Luke is going to be a flashback. Um, I also don't think that we're going to have the opening crawl and then cut right to Ray still handing out the lightsaber. I think what might ha- I mean, this is, you know, just my best guess at this point. I think we'll still have the crawl. I think it will explain things about the state of the galaxy after The Force Awakens, um, the impact of Starkiller Base having wiped out the Republic capital system and say, you know, the Republic is in disarray or the galaxy is in chaos or whatever, um, and then explaining some things that started to happen because, you know, even though we feel like we, you know, we saw everything that happened in the force awakens, obviously. And you think that, you know, episode eight would be picking up right afterwards. I mean, from the time that they destroy star killer base, travel back to the resistance home base planet, they all celebrate. They, you know, mourn Han's death. Finn is, you know, in the medical bay or whatever, and they're getting him all patched up. And then they find the map to Luke and, you know, R2 wakes up and, 
Ray and R2 and Chewie take off. I mean, that could be over the period of like a few days or a couple weeks or something. So, I mean, there's still maybe a little bit of room for this opening crawl to explain some stuff that we didn't see. Um, and I think like, like, again, my best guess is probably that the, the opening crawl and then maybe the first scene that we're going to see is either going to be, uh, General Hux bringing Kylo Ren back to Supreme Leader Snoke and Snoke talking about, you know, what his plans are moving forward or something involving one of the new characters. Um, and something that we didn't mention yet is that uh, in this uh, press release, um, it mentions that, uh, you know, of course, it talks about all the returning cast and then it says new cast members will include Academy Award winner Benicio Del Toro, Academy Award nominee Laura Dern and talented newcomer Kelly Marie Tran. Um, so, you know, we don't really know anything about their roles yet, except that it has long been speculated that Benicio Del Toro would be a new villain in episode eight. Um, now, obviously we've already got plenty of established villains with Kylo Ren and General Hux and Supreme Leader Snoke and Captain Phasma. And so if they're bringing in a new villain, you would think maybe they'd want to establish that right off the bat. Um, and maybe he is some crime lord or something that's coming in to sort of fill the the power vacuum because if you think about it in episode seven like the the republic pretty much got wiped out i mean there's still plenty of republic worlds out there but you know they they essentially cut the head off um and then also i don't know how far reaching the first order is but you'd think they must have been dealt a pretty big blow too because star killer base as far as we can tell was like their whole base of operations um, and that got wiped out. So maybe this movie is going to focus more on, um, you know, sort of some new elements coming in to, uh, to strike or to do their thing while both sides are kind of weakened. Um, so anyway, I mean, again, going, you know, wild with rampant speculation here, but I think we could get an opening crawl explaining some stuff that we didn't see that's happening around the time at the end of The Force Awakens, and then see a scene involving a new character or, um, you know, may, like I said, maybe involving the villains, uh, you know, what they were doing, you know, sort of towards the end of the last movie after, you know, Hux and Kylo escaped the base and then cut to, uh, you know, maybe even Snoke says something about, you know, we must stop the Jedi and cut to Ray and Luke and pick up right from there. Yeah. Interesting because that's a good point where, we're talking about where we don't know exactly how much time has passed since the destruction of Starkiller Base until when Ray left to go find Luke. And not even to mention how long they probably had, or she and Chewie had to travel in the Falcon to get to that planet. So who knows how long that took. So it does lend for the opportunity to kind of, you know, the crawl to fill in some of the gaps or a scene or two to fill in what we didn't see during that time period and yet still have it pick up right there and seeing Ray and the lightsaber Luke as the first scene with those two for eight. So I didn't ever thought about it that way, but that makes sense where it could happen. So yeah, going to be real anxious to see how this one starts off probably more so than seven because <laughs> we just got all the speculation as far as knowing what they filmed already and how it relates to the ending of the force awakens. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Yeah. I mean, at least the, uh, you know, sort of the, the top theory or whatever for now about this movie, starting with the exact same scene that seven ended with is a lot more palatable than, you know, the, the earliest rumors that we heard from episode seven, that it's going to start with a hand floating through space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think 
yeah, it would be a lot easier to take if it did start with this way. <laughs> yeah. Pick it up right from seven. But yeah, I know it did kind of like alarm certain fans as far as um, the idea of a Star Wars movie not having a big time gap because pretty much all the movies have a big time gap from movie to movie, the, with the least being about three years. So if this one was to take place, you know, a week or two or not even that long since the last shot of The Force Awakens. Um, does that does that bother you at all? Do you like having a bigger time gap? For me, I personally like it when they do have a large gap between movies. But at the same time, too, I'm not going to be you know against being a little different and having it pick up. I mean, going back to the whole thing we talked about plenty of times before where you know new era of Star Wars, expect different things to happen that we're not used to. And if this is one of them. I'm not going to say I'll be fully on board with it until I see the movie, but I don't think it's going to be anything to worry about or would really affect the movie in an end. In the end, it'll just be something different to get used to where the Star Wars movie just picks up immediately afterwards. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't really bother me because, again, I mean, with a lot of these things, it depends on how well they execute it and how yeah. they pull it off. I could say now that, oh, I don't want to see them do that, and then they could do it anyways, and I'd be like, oh, that actually was a really good idea. Um but no, I mean, it doesn't really bother me. I think, I know, like, all the previous movies have had some kind of gap in between, but I don't feel like that's always necessary. Like, for example, it's always sort of bewildered me, the the fact that there's supposedly a one-year gap in between Empire and Jedi, when at the yeah. end of Empire Strikes Back, they say, we'll meet you at Jabba's Palace on Tatooine, and, you know, don't worry, we're going to rescue Han from that gangster. And it's like, it took you guys a whole year to get there? <laughs> like, what's going on here? I mean, obviously, you know, if you sort of fill in the gaps yourself, it's like, okay, maybe they took a year for Lando to get himself established in Jabba's palace because they thought that was a key part of the plan. And in the meantime, Luke's like, I'm going to go put on some black clothes and build my own lightsaber and we'll meet back up in a year. Um, but I also feel like, you know, if you don't know that, then it kind of makes sense that, you, you know, you, you could kind of just assume that Return of the Jedi takes place, I don't know, a couple weeks after Empire Strikes Back. It's like Luke built himself a new lightsaber and it was like, all right, let's get back to business. Um, and we don't and, have shadows of the empire anymore to fill in that gap. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and then I know, you know, so, I mean, obviously with the way the force awakens ended, um, I don't know that it necessarily makes sense to pick up, you know, a year or two later when, you know, obviously a lot of us want to know like what happened right afterwards. That's one thing that always bugs me with TV shows. When a, a season finale of a TV show ends on a huge cliffhanger and all summer you're wondering what happened right after that. How did that play out? And then they pick up in the fall and it's like three months later and they're dealing with the aftermath of it. And yeah. then they show a flashback to show what happened at the end of the finale. And it always drives me nuts. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of in a sense, would rather have episode eight pick up right from there um, rather than, you know, sort of drag it out. But I also feel like a way that they still could kind of put a, a time gap in there is maybe if the opening scene or, you know, one of the earlier scenes, you know, like I was saying, maybe they, they show something else first, but then, you know, cut to Luke and Ray, you know, that, that same scene, uh, he, you know, takes the lightsaber or does whatever he's going to do, says whatever he's going to say. And then maybe he starts training her as a Jedi. And then we see like a training montage of, 
you know, her, her, you know, going through progression and Luke teaching her different things. And that could maybe take up like a year, um, or something like that. I don't know that, you know, again, just kind of throwing ideas out there, but, um, it could kind of be like, okay, here's like the episode seven epilogue. And then we jump forward a year. Yeah. That'd be something different too. Like having an actual time jump in the star Wars movie. That's something we've never seen before either. Yeah. At the same time, wouldn't be opposed to it either, regardless of how well it's done and how it works for the story. Because, yeah, it would make sense if it's done that way, too. So Yeah, because thinking about it, I mean, I know when they were talking about the production of Episode 7, um, they just went ahead and made it canon that it took place 32 years after Return of the Jedi, because that's exactly how much time had passed between you know, between the force Awakens and return of the Jedi in real life. So I'm wondering like, are they going to sort of stick to that idea and have each movie take place two years apart? Or is it going to be right afterwards? Or is it going to be like a few days or weeks afterwards? I don't know. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, but it's, you know, again, it's cool to already be able to kind of speculate on this kind of stuff. And, uh, Man, like I said, I'm just so excited for this movie already, even though it's already, you know, even though it's still like two years away, practically. Um, I know. We're already speculating just how, what time period the movie's going to take place. And we haven't gotten to the new actors announced. Like, yeah. They're going to be playing. But yeah. yeah. Well, is- I, I mean, I'll just say right now, like aside from, um, as I mentioned, the fact that we'd already heard speculation that Benicio Del Toro could be a villain. um, as far as Laura Dern and Kelly Marie Tran, I have no clue. Yeah, I have to say it was pretty easy for me to automatically just go ahead and speculate once I saw Laura Dern on there. Is that going to be, you know, Ray's mother or like Luke's wife or <laughs> that, that type of thing? Is she going to play that important role in as far as, you know, part of Ray's parentage? If it does end up being the way I think it's going to be of Luke being uh, her father. So um, that's what I. Again, all speculation, don't know for sure, but that was the thing I immediately went to, and I'm sure tons of other fans, especially those who are in mm-hmm. my camp about Ray being Luke's daughter, thinking, oh, is she going to be her mother? And just, or she could be someone who's just, you know, a political figure in the Resistance or the First Order, someone brand new, I don't know. But for right now, it's, it's fun to speculate that if Laura Dern will be somewhat in relation to Ray and Luke's mm-hmm. story. So, And as for Kelly Marie Tran, um, yeah, that's one of those... Uh, it's a new actor or a new actress who hasn't really done much. And so it's kind of hard to speculate too, as far as uh, thinking of what type of character she could be. But I could also think too, I mean, we going back to some of the early reports of uh, John Boyega test screening with different actresses. And maybe this is someone who will be, you know, uh, with Finn for most of the movie. And we kind of talked about too, how in empire, they introduced Lando as a new character to be part of the main core group of the three heroes. And maybe, Kelly Marie Tran is going to be that where she'll join up with uh, Finn and Poe while Ray's still off training and then maybe they'll all come together at the end of the something at the end of the movie for some battle or a uh, situation to take care of where all four of them are going to be together so uh, definitely not that much to go on <laughs> as far as these uh, new care or new actors in the movies besides Benicio Del Toro because that was the worst kept secret <laughs> as far yeah. as episode eight goes for a long time now. So we had plenty of time to speculate on what he could be doing. But yeah. And unfortunately, like there's not even a cast photo for us to make wrong assumptions based off of yeah. who people are <laughs> sitting next to. Um, so 
yeah, you know, like you said, not not really much to go off of there. I the the thought did cross my mind of Laura Dern possibly being um, Ray's mom, but you know, again, I I feel like that whole thing is like so much in flux now. Like, I'm not even sure that she's going to end up being a Skywalker or a Solo anymore. Um, just, I mean, I I still would probably lean mostly towards right now saying that she's going to end up being Luke's daughter, but I I also kind of just have this feeling in my gut that like the answer to that question is going to be one that nobody's guessing right now. Um, or at least not like one of the biggest, most popular theories out there. I, I feel like they might just kind of throw a curveball at us. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I, I still kind of hope she's a Skywalker just cause I like the star Wars movies being the, the story of the Skywalker family, but, um, exactly. <laughs> I, I certainly wouldn't be opposed to new heroes either. Um, especially if there ends up still being some sort of connection between them through the force or, you know, distant, you know, he, he's her father's brother's cousin's nephew's former roommate <laughs> or something like that. Oh man. All the build up for something like that. <laughs> That's what it's going to be. <laughs> but I will say as far as the returning cast, um, we kind of knew pretty much all who were going to come back, but the only one I didn't hear about, or maybe I just missed it was Lupita Nyong'o coming back as Maz Kanata. And I wouldn't say I'm too surprised for it, but uh, it did kind of feel that maybe the force awakens was her main movie. Cause you know, some star Wars movies have it where there's only like a big character is only in that movie and not too much in the sequels or in the sequel at all. So I'm kind of curious to see how much of a role mask is going to be in episode eight, whether it's going to be larger or smaller. So that's the one that I was most curious about as far as returning cast members mm-hmm. and characters coming back. Yeah. I was kind of surprised by that too. Um, just because, I mean, you, you know, you think of Maz as like sort of the the wise mentor character, but obviously now we've got Luke to fill that role. Um, although it would kind of be cool to be able to see her interact with Luke. Yeah. Um, or, you know, maybe now that her, her pirate castle is destroyed and so maybe she decides to join the resistance and act as, you know, Leia's advisor or something like that. I don't know. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Ray is going to need to keep going back to Maz for, you know, force visions and force advice and stuff because now she's got Luke. So, um, yeah, it will be kind of interesting to see what uh, her role ends up being. Yeah, she could be someone there for Leia, too, for the Resistance. Like, you know, of course, we know Leia's force-sensitive, but it doesn't seem like she mm-hmm. developed her abilities that much. And to have someone who is force-sensitive with the Resistance now to kind of maybe give them some insight on what she's feeling, whether it regards to Snoke or Kylo Ren, it wouldn't make sense for her to stick around with the resistance and Leia for that. And maybe she wants to, she's curious to find out about Ray and Luke too, and see um, what happened with their meeting. And if she is training and she's waiting to hear on that. So yeah, there's definitely uh, good story possibilities for why she's going to be in it and uh, sticking around for, with the resistance or uh, just, Maybe she goes back to Taco Donna, tries to rebuild her castle, but I kind of picture it where she's going to be more involved with the actual conflict now in the galaxy than yeah. being there for those who need uh, advice with the Force. Yeah. I mean, she was pretty adamant in The Force Awakens about, like, you know, us needing to join the fight and all that kind of stuff. So um, who knows? Maybe there'll be some battle at the end and she'll show up out of nowhere with, like, a huge pirate army and, like, a. <laughs> Like a 120 year old Hondo Onaka. And, uh, 
Oh man, I'm not sure if that'll get a big reaction from the crowds of not everyone's watching Clone Wars or Rebels, but you'll definitely know who the hardcore fans are because he will get a reaction for those of us. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, that would be cool actually. Yeah, in fact, it's kind of a. I mean, it's it's too bad Hondo's like so old because he's probably not still around by the time of the Force Awakens. But it could have been so great to see him like in Maz's castle. Yeah, we don't know about. Weak way species and how long they live, but it's true. <laughs> you know, they, they can make it work. I will say for the whole episode eight announcement, it was so cool to get it, and just the fact that you know it's in production now. The next chapter in the Star Wars saga is, is going to be here before you know it. So it's cool to know that it's actually happening. And when I got the read the whole returning cast and the new cast, I just thought, man, the only way it would be better if it said if it was announced that Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen were back in here as the Force Ghosts and those re- rumors that we've heard previously and stuff that Luke would be communing with Force Ghosts and it's going to be Yoda, Anakin, and Obi-Wan. I strongly believe we're going to get that in this movie. I just, I just feel it in my gut, even though there's not too much to base it on, even though there are some examples, I think, especially in the art of The Force Awakens that made reference of a possible Anakin returning as a Force Ghost, even in The Force Awakens. So that idea is there, and I just think we're eventually going to get that. We got Ewan doing a voiceover, so maybe the next step to actually see him is physical presence in Episode Eight. So maybe they're saving that as a secret and a surprise for fans, but man, it would have been so cool if, we, if they were included in this press release for an announcement. Well, no, I, I can... that, it was great. <laughs> yeah, I can absolutely guarantee you that if that does happen, there's no way they would put that in the press release. Like, that's going to be something that... I mean, unless... Hayden Christensen comes out in an interview and says, like, no, that's absolutely ridiculous. I would never do that. I want nothing to do with Star Wars anymore. Um, You know, we we might get a denial, but we're definitely not going to get any sort of confirmation on that until we see the movie itself. Um, Like, that's not going to be in the announcement. That's not going to be in the trailers. Um, That would just be, I mean, especially if the marketing and, and, uh, you know, all the secrecy and everything for episode eight is anything like it was for seven, which it sounds like it is because I'm already hearing stories about, um, the episode eight set and then having like hundreds of security guards and they've got their own drones to (laughs) take down other people's drones that they're flying around the set to try to take pictures and stuff. Like they, they still are going to want to keep their secrets. Um, even though, you know, we know the, I mean, we don't know what the story of this movie is going to be, but we know the story leading into it. We know the characters and everything. And, you know, the, the groundwork has sort of been established. So there's not quite as much complete mystery surrounding what's going to be in this movie, but there's still going to be plenty of surprises that they're going to keep until the release. I can promise you that. The only thing that made me think it would have been cool to get it in this press release, because for episode seven, you know, it was a big deal that, yeah, the returning cast members from the original trilogy coming back, and that was such a big draw. And kind of have, while it wouldn't be as big as that, kind of have that same feeling where you got old cast members but who are coming back again for this movie, being you know with Ewan and uh, Hayden if they were to come back as Force Ghosts. So it could have been similar to that vein where this is Episodes Eight, you know, returning classic characters announcement. How Episode Seven had you know, Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher. But mm-hmm. I definitely get where you're coming from too, where that probably would be something. They'd want to keep a secret or a surprise uh, as long as they could. So since it wasn't in that press release, I'm hoping that is the case. Because like I said, as much as I feel that it is going to happen, man, I want it to happen. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, 
I, I would love to see that too. But I also, I mean, again, as a fan, like I want to be surprised by that kind of stuff. Um, and maybe it's just because I, I feel like I've kind of been burned in the past by it a little bit. Like I, I might've mentioned this before, but, um, like back when the Clone Wars was on and they brought Liam Neeson back to do the voice of Qui-Gon Jinn for the Mortis episodes. Um, like that was awesome, but like they made a huge deal about it ahead of time. And you know, they had like entertainment weekly writing articles about it and doing press releases and, you know, releasing promo clips ahead of time. And it being like, Hey, Liam Neeson's coming back. Everybody come, you know, watch the show. And I get that it's part of the the marketing and, you know, they want to get their ratings up and they want to, you know, draw people in and get them to watch it. But how cool would it have been if you're sitting there as a fan, just watching that episode and then, you know, somebody starts talking and you're going like, oh my gosh, that's like, they got freaking Liam Neeson to come back and voice Qui-Gon and we had no idea it was going to happen. Like that would have been such a cool surprise. And so, you know, you know, maybe it's just me thinking along that same line with like force ghost cameos of, you know, with characters and actors that we've seen before, like, let it be a surprise when we see it for the first time. Yeah, I totally get that. It's funny when you mentioned Liam Neeson, he couldn't even get that for, uh, his cameo in the Dark Knight Rises that even got leaked before and before that got out. Oh yeah, anything with Liam Neeson, like you know he's coming beforehand. But I know, yeah, it would be a cool surprise. But at the same time, too, you probably have to be someone who's avoiding all spoilers for to avoid that if it does happen because it's probably going to come out sooner or later if that does indeed happen. So yeah, well, be on your toes again. It- it's not going to come out officially that, you know, Definitely, is what I'm saying, yeah. but making star Wars and, you know, Jedi news and some of these other sites, like, yeah, they're going to sniff it out. Obviously. I mean, of course we'd already heard, you know, we've been or heard rumors months ago that uh, Hayden Christensen was in negotiations to be in it or something. So, um, you know, so on the one hand, I won't be like too hugely surprised if it does happen because again, we've heard, uh, rumors about it before, but it would still be nice to, you know, definitely to not get that officially confirmed in a trailer or something. So, yeah. Well, if it does come out in a spoiler, and I'll be sure not to let you know either way because I'll probably be eating all that stuff up <laughs> as much yeah. information as I can about that aspect of the movie. Yeah, I want to try to hold back on that a little bit more with episode eight, but we'll see how it plays out. Um, cause pretty much like any time a, a spoiler or a rumor or something comes out, I'm like, well, I'm not going to read too much, but I'll read just this one. And then I think that same thing for like everyone that I read until the movie comes out and I've read like almost all of them. Yeah. <laughs> I know you try to, for Force Awakens, I try to limit myself when we got to September, but yeah. by the time it came out, I was like, yeah, most of the stuff, there was definitely some surprises when I went and saw it, but like the big stuff was like, uh, kind of had that idea of that <laughs> one way or another in the lead up to it, reading yeah. all this stuff. Well, pretty much. Yeah. Once that last trailer came out in October, I was pretty much done after that. And then especially like I watched the first few TV spots. And then after that, I was like, okay, you know, what? like I don't need to see any more TV spots or like international trailers or anything, you know, once, especially once we got to like the last month or like two weeks or whatever before the movie, I was like, okay, I can wait now. Yeah, having two Star Wars movies in your back pocket by the time episode eight comes out definitely will help with that. Yeah, yeah. Except, I mean, this whole year we're going to be getting a lot of episode eight rumors and things, and so we won't have two movies in our pocket yet. See, to me, that's where this time period where where I like getting this stuff. You know, it 
keeps uh, the hype going for a particular movie. It's when you get closer and closer and the stuff's coming out. Mm-hmm. We're like, okay, stop. We're so close now. And that's, yeah, we that's true. Movies. We, I don't need the re- rumored report stuff now, even though you're, you're tempting me to look and I'm probably going to look. So mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a time where I eat it all up. So we'll see how much we get from now and from its release and, until we get Rogue One on D- Blu-ray too. Yeah. Well, speaking of Episode Eight rumors and whatnot, I mean, there have already been um, a couple of set photos and stuff that have started leaking out. And um, I mean, again, nothing, you know, spoilerish here. There hasn't been like, you know, we haven't seen Luke fighting anybody in a lightsaber duel or anything, but um, there's just the, you know, photos of a set on, uh, you know, some streets in somewhere called Dubrovnik, uh, I guess. I don't know where that is, but. I think it's um, in London. In London? I believe that's where I read that it was. Oh, wow. I was, maybe just, I'm wrong, but. just from the name, I was guessing Eastern Europe. But, um, I mean, regardless, these, these sets are looking pretty cool. This almost looks sort of Coruscant-esque, um, except they're like brick buildings and it's like a, you know, the, the street is like brick or cobblestone or whatever. Um, so, I mean, it, it's cool because it's, you know, looks like it's probably going to be a new location or a new planet or something. And at the same time has a very familiar star Wars aesthetic to it. So even though these are basically just doors on buildings on a street, you know, it's still like, Ooh, something new for episode eight. I like this already. Yeah, it definitely looks cool. But when I saw these set images and again, it probably have definitely have its own unique look and feel in the final shots in the movie. But I was taken back a little bit as far as how, you know, earthly it looked like you said just looked like normal buildings that we see out like in different parts of the world so it it didn't feel like something different you would see in a star wars movies besides when you see like those neon lights that are on and the controls on the door it it, while it does look familiar as something we would see like anywhere here on earth it does make for a pretty cool new star wars location i like it's kind of mixing those two so um we'll see again how it looks in the final shots of the movie but i'm kind of excited of how what this new location is going to be and just how it's going to have its own unique feel to it. So I'm digging it definitely, even though it has the familiar look of stuff we see in our everyday lives. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you got that vibe, but I did just something a little too familiar as something that we see (laughs) in our own planet. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, I, I can definitely understand that, but then like you said, you don't know how much of this is going to be, um, changed or altered or whatever i mean it even looks like at least to me it looks like they've built these doors onto like existing buildings and then you can still see like regular just plain rectangular windows above it Mm -hmm. and so i would definitely think that's something where you know maybe they just built like the ground level doors and windows and stuff and then they're just going to use you know cgi or whatever to like sort of replicate those on the upper parts of the building or maybe we're only going to see uh, you know, sort of the lower parts and, you know, the camera will just be sort of eye level with whatever characters we're following as they're walking along these streets. Um, Cause yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't think that we'd be seeing, you know, just the regular windows and street lights and all that other kind of stuff that's, uh, you know, throughout the picture. But um, we do know there's going to be a land speeder though there. Because yeah, that that's true. Yeah. We, we've that's seen sort of... pictures of that as well, which was mostly covered with a tarp. Um but I mean, from what you kind of could see, it looked like a pretty cool design of a land speeder too. So, yeah, like has the classic look, but it does it doesn't look as beat up as Luke's was. Yeah. <laughs> so 
It could be that new model that he was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, which by now would be an old model. Yeah, it's a vintage one now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Luke went into retirement and finally got that sweet ride he always wanted. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's his pride and joy now. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, that's pretty much all we've got to go on for episode eight now. But like we said, this is kind of like um, the passing of the torch almost where, you know, we've kind of got our, our last bit of episode seven news as it's about to come out on Blu-ray. And now we're getting all hyped for episode eight as it's officially in production. And, uh, you know, we're starting to get set photos and all that kind of stuff um, coming out. So much to look forward to there in the coming months. Um, and also, as I said, uh, certainly not to uh, overlook Rogue One, which is coming out this year. Um, and apparently they just showed some footage from that at a, uh, I guess, at a Disney shareholder meeting um, just within the past couple weeks or so. And so we've got, um, you know, no leaked footage or anything, unfortunately, but a description there of it. There was a fake one that was out there, so don't be fooled about that one. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's sad if you still, I mean, you can probably find most of them on YouTube now, like fake episode seven trailers that people put up you know, between 2012 and 2015 that have like millions of views because people wanted to check it out. And it's like, guys, come on. They haven't put a trailer out yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, and most of it, I mean, I remember one even that was like, you know, had been recut with footage from like the Force Awakens uh, or not the Force Unleashed cinematic trailers. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is like a cool little fan edit thing, but I really hope nobody's thinking this is actually what Episode Seven is going to look like. Like, come on, guys. Man, I'm sure there were two. And this one that's going around for Rogue One, they're really trying to make it look like it's something that was bootleg. Someone filmed it off their phone, and there's like the hot words written on the screen like saying Rogue One for BVS, trying to make it look like it's going to be attached to Batman v Superman coming out in a few weeks. So they're trying to do little clever things to make it look like it could be authentic, but in the end, it's not. It's been confirmed as being debunked. So if you see yeah. one floating around right there saying it's going to be attached with Batman v Superman, and it's a few seconds, and you see AT-AT walkers and a TIE fighter flying up to a Death Star in the sky, it's not real. But we'll probably see some similar as those <laughs> of those images in the real trailer, though. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, if there is going to be a trailer for it with Batman v Superman, they have kept that secret really well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I find it way more likely that we're going to see our first Rogue One trailer with Captain America Civil War, since those are both owned by Disney. Exactly. I think it's, it's even been reported like that before that it's going to be with Civil War, so... That's not going to be a huge surprise. It just makes too much sense, too. Yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't you put your biggest movie in the winter with your biggest movie of the summer? Yeah, especially because they're kind of rivals, too. Like, if you know, if Disney didn't own Marvel, then I could kind of see them putting a trailer with Batman vs. Superman just because it's a big movie that a lot of people are going to go see and you want to get uh, you know, your Star Wars advertising in front of that. But it's like, why would you give people one more reason to go see Batman versus Superman when you want Captain America to make more money. Mm. Yeah. Just, yeah. Too much sense for to hold it off. It's even timing wise and just for being in the same studios for it to be with Captain America. So yeah. still got to wait probably two more months. Well, maybe in April because maybe they'll release it online first because Captain America, I believe, comes out the first weekend of May. So maybe the last week of April, we might be seeing some for Rogue One. That's possible. Um, but even then, I mean, Two months till a Rogue One trailer, one month till The Force Awakens on Blu-ray. Yeah. Life is good right now for Star Wars fans. Yes, it is. <laughs> Said it over and over again, but we truly are in the golden age right now. We're living in it. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, but anyway, as far as the description of this official footage, um, it says most of it was very quick. A shot of the Black Stormtrooper, possibly called Death Troopers, um, another pick of the same style helmet and armor, but all chrome. Um, more on that in a second. This is reminiscent of Captain Phasma. Um, an image showed two AT-ATs that had a slightly different look with the door panel on the side of the body painted a lighter beige color. Um, a couple cast photos were shown, one of Felicity Jones and Diego Luna and another of Donnie Yen. Um, and the clip featured Felicity's character on what looked like the inside of a ship or shuttle with her arm up holding on and uh, the hatch ramp open behind her. Um, and then... Uh, you know, there was like some dialogue and stuff, but this person didn't quite catch it or remember all of it. Um, but they said it all looked great and had a classic Star Wars feel. So, um, and then it's, I guess, you know, Bob Iger at that same meeting said that they didn't have footage uh, for episode eight yet, but that that was, had also started filming and, you know, we know that. So, um, you know, it sounds like, uh, you know, promising stuff so far. It's funny because uh, this shot where it uh, talks about, um, you know, Felicity Jones's character on the inside of a ship or something with her arm up, like holding on to something, just made me think of the shot from the first trailer of the Clone Wars movie yeah. where, like, they're inside the Republic gunship, you know, holding on, and, uh, you know, the, the pilot says something about, you know, standby, we're going in, and they've got, like, the red emergency landing lights on. Um, so I wonder if maybe the rebellion is going to be using like repurposed old Republic gunships or something like that. Um, <laughs> That'd be cool. That would be cool to see. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, one of the most exciting things about new Star Wars movies is seeing you know new designs of ships and armor and all that kind of stuff. And then also um, when it talked about these Chrome Troopers. Um, I remember, I think it was my friend Joey who was telling me that um, there's like a glitch in Battlefront where on one of the new maps or something, yeah. you, you see like some too. chrome stormtroopers standing behind you and it's basically just character models because they're just standing there. They're not like shooting at you or anything. Um, and I was like, oh, that's weird. I wonder if they're chrome because they just like forgot to put the textures on or something. But now that we know they're going to be chrome stormtroopers in Rogue One, it's like oh, well, did they put those in, the, you know, was was that in there sort of as a test? Like, are they testing out assets for um, some downloadable content that's going to be coming out later in the year, like around when Rogue One comes out? And, may, you know, they, they just sort of forgot to take that out. Um, I think that would make a lot of sense because, you know, we got, um, or we know there are going to be four expansions for Battlefront and we know what the first three are and we don't know what the last one is, but I think that's supposed to be coming out like either end of this year or early next year. And uh, we know they're not going to be using Force Awakens content in this game, but Rogue One takes place relatively in the same time period as the original trilogy. So it would make more sense, you know, if they're really concerned about continuity and, and time periods and stuff. Like you could have some new Chrome Stormtroopers from Rogue One uh, in Battlefront like that would fit. Yeah, I mean, when I first read that description and saw Chrome Stormtrooper, I was like, huh, that's interesting. Gonna get more Captain Phasma style designs? Like, sign me up. But then, <laughs> not too long after that, uh, my brother showed me just like a video clip of the exact same thing you were talking about. It was on the new uh, Hoth map. And it was like kind of in the background, you see a group of Stormtroopers just standing there. And it, I think it looked like only their helmets were Chrome. The rest of it was just your typical Stormtrooper uh, armor. 
But yeah, you definitely could tell that those helmets were chrome, and, and it just made you think: uh, Is this a coincidence? It doesn't seem like it. Like planting a little Easter egg that maybe you don't know about yet until you see a trailer or something for Rogue One. So I find that to be very interesting. And mm. as Qui Gon says, nothing happens by accident. I don't think that was put in there by accident. Uh. I don't know. I mean, with with video games and software and stuff, I think they would probably. I mean, unless Dice did it on purpose as an Easter egg, like without Lucasfilm's permission, that seems more like a bug where they're in the early testing phase, and you know, maybe they just put some regular stormtroopers in there, gave them chrome helmets, and wanted to see, you know, how the light reflected off the the chrome texture or something on that certain map and then someone like forgot to take it out or you know there was some bug or glitch that made those still pop up well maybe um, that specific instance was a mistake or a bug like you said but the fact that i think they're messing around with chrome helmets and stuff like you said leads me to believe that it's we're going to probably see some rogue one connections in battle oh yeah next year by the time the movie comes out yeah so. for sure um, yeah but the description of the footage that was shown there, I mean, you know, me being a big trooper guy, <laughs> seeing these new type of black stormtroopers and now these new chrome ones, man, I just can't wait for this to see footage from this movie because I know how you're saying, and I know you're not the only one where it's like you're just more excited for episode eight than Rogue One is for right now. But I think once we get that trailer, we're going to be super pumped and, you know, have this on our radar is like the first thing of being what we can't wait to see. If we see cool war type uh, battle action sequences with these different stormtroopers armors and the rebels we're going to see and then to top it off if we get a shot of Vader at all in this trailer I mean talk about raising the hype level even more I've seen footage of that it's just going to be incredible so I think for Rogue One once we see that trailer for a lot of people it's just going to get us more excited for this and glad that it will be coming out this year and that it's the next Star Wars movie down the line so I just can't wait to finally get that moment where we see this footage. Cause I think it's going to blow us away from the descriptions and stuff we're hearing about the troopers and everything. So I can't wait for it. Yeah, definitely looking forward to uh, getting our first look at this. Um, we've got, uh, you know, there've been some rogue one and stuff rumors coming out as well. Um, one of the more prominent ones, I guess, um, and this still isn't, you know, anything huge to go on, but, uh, you know, of course making star Wars.net, they've got rumors and stuff all the time. And they've got one about, uh, the name of Felicity Jones's character. Um, and they're saying that, uh, or, you know, at least their, their sources or whatever are telling them that her character's name will be Jin spelled J Y N. Um, and that she's going to be the daughter of, uh, the character Galen, who I believe is, is that the one that, uh, Mads Mikkelsen is playing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that would be interesting to see, you know, a, a, well, another family connection. I mean, that's not something new in Star Wars, but, um, to see, you know, this totally new character who's, you know, maybe like a younger fighter pilot in the rebellion and, you know, her father's like a general or something like that. Um, we'd kind of get to see a little bit of like the, um, the dynamic that you sort of imagine would exist between Leia and Bail Organa that we never really get to see because he gets blown up off screen on Alderaan. So, um, well, you know, that some of the early reports, and we talked a little bit about this on our last episode, I believe, where um, Mads Mikkelsen's character is actually going to be, you know, part of the Empire as someone who built the Death Star and kind of, you know, maybe defects afterwards or feeling guilty about it. So, mm -hmm. kind of like up to his oh, daughter that's true too, to yeah. kind of set things right. 
So I, that story aspect got me excited about that. So I really hope that's the way they go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'd forgotten those rumors we heard about him last time. Um, again, it's funny. Like I said, uh, you know, the, the name rumors, um, you know, putting it all in context now, it's like it doesn't get me quite as on the edge of my seat as it did back when uh, The Force Awakens was, you know, in production. We were like, ooh, ooh what's uh, Daisy Ridley's character's name going to be? Kira? Ray? You know, whatever it is. Yeah. Well, actually, I don't think Ray was even on the radar as far as um, rumors and stuff went. Oh, yeah. Because um, we didn't. Until the card came out. Yeah, exactly. Um, but obviously, you know, there was so much more speculation about names back then, whereas now it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, um, <laughs> we'll see if this this uh, name of Felicity Jones character Jin ends up being another Kira, <laughs> and when we finally get it announced, it'll be something different. But yeah, we'll find out. Um, but yeah, so I mean, obviously, like you said, definitely looking forward to Rogue One as well. Um, even if I'm already looking for looking ahead to Episode Eight, but um, <laughs> that's yeah. going to change when you see that trailer. I know it will. <laughs> yeah, well, and. You know, I, I'm not like I said. I, I'm not saying I'm not excited for Rogue One, and it's, I definitely am looking forward to new footage from it. Um, and you know, like I said, once we once we see a trailer and all that kind of stuff, I'm gonna be all on board that hype train. But it's not also still not gonna make me any less excited for two years from now when we get to see Luke Skywalker like fully <laughs> in action again and not basically just a glorified cameo at the end of the movie. <laughs> totally not. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's about all the movie news and rumors and stuff we've got for now. Um, and I'm sure as these movies get closer to release, we'll get, you know, more and more stuff. Um, and especially, you know, once we get a Rogue One trailer and all that, you know, we'll do our usual three hour dissections and whatnot. Um, but in the meantime, um, hopefully you, some of you guys got to catch this, uh, Disneyland 60th anniversary special that aired a couple weeks ago. Um, where they had Harrison Ford present, uh, you know, basically a, a look at uh, what this future Star Wars, I don't know, Star Wars land, Star Wars theme expansion thing is going to be. Um, still not really any concrete details provided on like when it's going to open or exactly what kind of stuff is going to be in there. But there was a lot of uh, concept art shown. And I mean, it looks really amazing. And I mean, if all this concept art is how they actually build the thing and how it actually all comes to life, then I mean, it's you're you're gonna feel like you're in the Star Wars universe. I mean, at least for this concept art, like none of this to me even looks like a theme park. Like yeah. <laughs> these just look like Star Wars locations. And so if they can get it, you know, even close to this, then you know, it's it's going to be pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, did get you more excited for when this new Star Wars attraction is going to open up? Because not even to mention the rides that they're going to have, but just like you said, the environment and the location of what you're going to be able to walk around in and go to these different restaurants. Like they specifically mentioned the Cantina, which has been you know a wish list on pretty much every Star Wars fan that there was going to be a Star Wars theme park. And while it might not be the Moss Eisley Cantina, it probably still have the same feel to it as long as it's got the same music that's true yeah (laughs) hopefully it will but and the the attraction on it we got a little sneak peek at that and of course we've heard already when this was first announced that there's going to be a millennium falcon ride you're gonna be able to pilot and man the gun turrets which sounds awesome but then you got a little bit look at the other attraction where it's going to be you know you're put in the middle of a resistance and first order battle and in the little video that they showed there it looks like 
might be on a moving vehicle and you're just passing through like corridors seeing stormtroopers blast at you and while it'd kind of be cool to you know as you're passing along and seeing the battle i'm hoping there's more of like an interactive link to it kind of like um when, when we went on that uh, Buzz Lightyear ride where you have like those laser tag guns and you're shooting different mm-hmm. objects, maybe it'd be something like that where you have like these blasters at your disposal and you're sh- shooting the stormtroopers and you get like a score ca- count at the end of it and see how good you did. That'd be kind of cool. But um, yeah, just can't wait to <laughs> actually, I'm getting ahead of myself thinking, can't wait to actually go there and experience all these things. But like I said, we need to get a, official date <laughs> yeah more details as far as when it's going to happen to get more excited about that but i think it's going to deliver on the promise that disney's making as far as this being like the biggest immersive star wars experience any fan can have because you got those rides and then just walking around in this environment is going to be amazing and seeing characters and aliens that we know from the movie just walking around being part of it to make you really feel like you're in a star wars planet is going to be amazing so this it's just selling you more and more on how special I think the Star Wars theme park is going to be once it's all open and ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, all the stuff they showed looks great. Um, even though you know a lot of it is just concept art, and then the uh, the stuff from the rides they actually had video clips, and it's just like early concept renderings of what some of the animation and the scenery might look like. Um, but you know, like I said, if the the final product looks anything close to this, it's going to be amazing. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, I just, I mean, well, I was going to say, I can't wait for this. I mean, figure of speech, cause I know this is going to take a while and you know, I'm, I'm sort of more excited for like, okay, what's the next movie? What's the next battlefront expansion? I want to, you know, get all this stuff. And, but the theme park I know is like probably at least two or three years away. Um, and not I mean, to mention it, the waiting we'll have to do when we're actually in the theme park yeah <laughs> and all the lines are gonna be i mean i'm like i don't know if i want to be you know try to be the first one in line or if i want to wait till like six months after um although i mean even six months after it's still gonna be crowded because yeah. <laughs> i mean i'm just thinking if they open um i like say they open it like summer of 2018 well winter of 2018 there'll be a new star wars movie coming out and they'll probably be holding you know some huge star wars event over there and you know, just bringing more people to it. Um, so I think, you know, the, the crowds and the long waits and stuff are just going to be something we're going to have to deal with. Um, although, you know, you're lucky you live like half an hour away. You could just (laughs) go, you know, on a weeknight when nobody's there. Um, but either way, I'm sure it's going to be well worth it because, you know, this is just looking like it's going to be something really special. Definitely. And I don't know if you saw the actual broadcast of the, Disneyland 60th anniversary special, but they did have a special like performance. Oh, I did, and it yeah. was fan freaking tastic. Yeah, it was really cool. It just made me think if this is what uh, the new Star Wars and concert is going to be like when it gets going again this year. I mean, man, I mean, I was already going to go anyway, but this is going to make me even more excited for it if it has, you know, how it inter. Uh, played the Force Awakens music with all the classic themes from all the previous six movies and the video footage they were showing. They had these cool hologram effects on there with mm-hmm. BB-8. There's so much cool stuff that makes it more immersive than what the previous Star Wars in concert was, which was great in itself. But this will take it on to a whole nother level if it's anything like that performance. It was really cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to like go look that up on YouTube again after we get done with this. Because for any of you who missed it, I mean, it was basically Harrison Ford coming out on stage um, you know, talking about Star Wars a little bit. And then he talked about the Star Wars land and they showed the concept art and the videos and stuff. And then um, I, th- I don't remember, did he, he might have started talking about 
um, the the music of Star Wars and John Williams, and then was like, you know, you can either stand here, or you, like I can either stand here and you can listen to me talk about it, or you can actually hear the music. Yeah. Um, and then you know, a curtain went up, and there's like this whole orchestra, and they start playing, and like you said, there was like you know, video screens and lighting effects and everything, and uh, you know, they went through some of the classic themes, and then when they got to the Force Awakens stuff, I mean, man, it just kind of gave me chills to like yeah. hear that integrated with everything else. Um, in fact, I was watching it with uh, well, with my whole family, but my sister and I who were like the huge star Wars fans. We were like on the edge of our seats going like, Oh, are they going to play new stuff? Are they going to play Ray's theme? Like it has to be in here. Um, but is actually before they play Ray's theme, they played the new, um, sort of even, I'd call it just like a motif sort of for Kylo Ren. And, you know, they were showing like the, the new dark side characters from the first order. Um, and it's, you know, it was kind of just like a short snippet, but within like the first few notes, you're like, Oh snap. I know what this is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then at the end, um, and I think it was after Ray's theme, you know, they might've just gone into like the main title or the force theme. I, I think it was probably just the main theme. I don't remember exactly what it was. And like I said, I got to go watch it again, but suddenly everybody in the audience in this whole auditorium that they had, which, you know, you've been seeing shots of them the whole time and they're just sitting there watching and enjoying the music. And then for like the last piece, everybody in the theater ignited a lightsaber. Like, you know, yeah, they, right. they, they had, uh, you know, just like, toy lightsabers and they were all blue and they all held them up at the exact same time at like a perfect spot in the music. And like, it was seriously just this awesome chill inducing moment. Like what I wouldn't have given to have been there in that room and been a part of that. That was phenomenal. Yep. Like I said, hopefully Star Wars in concert embraces all that. And that was like kind of like a preview of what it's going to be. Cause yeah, like you said, it gave you chills hearing that music and then seeing those cool visuals. And maybe they'll give everyone, you know, free little plastic lightsaber toys for Star Wars in concert now, so they could, we could all do that at those big moments. Oh man, that would have been that would be so good. Now, yeah. I I hate to say it, I'm a little bit worried about the Star Wars in concert, only because a we haven't heard anything new about it, and b um, I mean I remember like when I got the Force Awakens soundtrack, it came with a little card that said you know Star Wars in concert coming back this year, and go to. Uh, you know, Star Wars in concert to find out more. And it was basically just, um, you know, just a single page that was like, put in your email address, and we'll send you more info when, you know, when tour dates and stuff become available. Well, now if you try to go to Star Wars in concert.com, it just redirects you to Star Wars.com. And oh. I'm like, I hope that doesn't mean that they canceled it. And they're just trying to sort of quietly sweep it under the rug without an official announcement or anything. Um, I mean, maybe once, uh, the concert thing does come up, maybe they'll just have a separate section for it on starwars.com instead of having its own website. I don't know, but I really hope that still happens. Yeah. I'd be a bummer if it doesn't, <laughs> especially after, you know, teasing us when those get the force Awakens soundtrack and then after seeing this, yeah, hopefully that's not the case. Or maybe if anything, it's just delayed a little bit. Maybe it won't be this year. Maybe they saw how great that performance was and wanted to incorporate it if that wasn't the plan already. So who knows? But yeah, hopefully it's still going to happen because I'd hate for them to announce it and then just have it go away without anyone talking about it. Yeah, that would be a bummer. But yeah, like I said, hopefully it's uh, hopefully it still ends up happening. Yeah, let's keep a little optimism here. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. Um, so anyway, let's, uh, you know, turn briefly to one of our other favorite discussion topics, which is Star Wars Battlefront. Um, 
And, uh, I mean, there's been a lot going on with this game lately. They released a pretty sizable update for February where they uh, released a new Twilight on Hoth map that is absolutely gorgeous and a lot of yeah, fun to play in. So cool. um, and then also when they had released the uh, the Jakku DLC content, um, they had that new Turning Point map and they've now added the Turning Point – or the, sorry, there was a, the, the Turning Point game mode and they've now incorporated that game mode onto all the other planets on like the big maps that you can also play Walker Assault and stuff on. Um, and man, that, like I'm having so much fun with that cause I love turning point and I would spend hours just playing it over and over again on the Jakku map when that was all that you had turning point on. So now that they've got it on everything, um, you know, it's just that much more fun to have, you know, added maps and variety and stuff. Um, but that's a really fun game mode. And then, like I said, that, that new, uh, Hoth map is great. Um, and, uh, we've got our first, um, well, not really our first details, but more expanded details on what's coming out in the Outer Rim expansion, which is coming out sometime this month. We still don't have an official release date on that, um, but we know that we're going to be playing on some new uh, factory maps on Sullust with you know some industrial areas and uh, smelting factories and things like that. Um, and then also in Jabba's Palace on Tatooine, and it specifically mentions uh, fighting through Jabba's throne room and the sail barge garage. Um, also play as iconic heroes and I'm doing air quotes with my fingers around <laughs> iconic because they're adding Greedo and Nia Num as new playable characters, uh, playable hero characters. And, uh, I'm like, that's cool, I guess, but not really that exciting. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I can't really picture anybody who really wants to play as Greedo. I know. And to me, I'll just get it out of the way. This, to me, this isn't like like a lazy type of, you know, extra way to get hero characters in there because, you know, you already got Rodian and Celeste and character models that anyone can just choose from as their character skin mm-hmm. and just basically changing their clothes because <laughs> for Greedo and Nia No because their model face models look exactly the same. So they're just giving them the classic Greedo outfit and the Nia Gnomes fight outfit. So. That's racist, Tim. Not all Rodians look alike. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not a species or an alien. <laughs> but no, I mean, sadly, I, I totally agree. I'm like, this is probably really easy for them to do. Now, in their defense, I mean, I'm thinking like, why don't you add, you know, like Lando or Chewie or somebody that we would actually want to play as? Well... I can kind of see that, okay, we're getting a new Sullust map, so they add a Sullust in, and I'm sure if they're going to add Lando, they're probably going to save it for the Bespin maps that are coming later down the line. Um, So, but still, I mean, it kind of seems like filler for the time being, because, I mean, I don't know what other Imperial characters they're going to add, but they're, like I said, plenty of, or at least a couple other Rebel ones that would be exciting to play as with Lando and Chewie, so... um, they could have put a Gamorrean guard for Jabba's palace. I mean, that'd be pretty cool to play as, wouldn't it? <laughs> I guess. I wouldn't really call them a hero, though. I mean, or, can, can you imagine that Imperial commander voice, you know, telling you what to do? And they're like, <laughs> you know, the Gamorrean guard has arro- uh, arrived to help our forces. Make sure you protect him. Yeah. <laughs> and you wouldn't be able to use a blaster. You just have to use an axe and hope yeah. you get close enough to melee someone. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but even... Not even to put hero characters for this update. Maybe like new alien skins you could have used that kind of fit the theme with this map. Like 
uh, maybe a weak way for some for Jabba's palace, which we haven't seen before. Or I don't know, something to that effect. Where because it just seems building it up as hero character, like new hero character DLC, and yet it's just basically another Rodian and another Celestian with different clothes. Yeah, yeah. It's like we've already got Han, Luke, and Leia, and Vader, Boba Fett, and Palpatine. Like. I don't really need them to add more hero characters. And if they are, they better be like super awesome ones that are, you know, on par with the existing ones. I don't need them to add more heroes just for the sake of adding more heroes. Cause now, you know, if I'm playing a game mode that has heroes, I'm not going to pick Greedo over Vader or Boba Fett. Like who does that? Yeah. Besides for the first time, you're, get the dlc and want to see how they are then after that it's you know, still gonna be hard i'll be like oh let's see what greedo can do and now nah, i'm just gonna stick with vader that's a good point because it is rare at least for me i know to get those hero pickups and yeah i don't waste it yeah <laughs> and then if you know. play heroes versus villains or hero hunt then it's randomized so you might not get to you know try out the new ones anyways yeah so Everything in this expansion sounds really cool, except for the you know iconic hero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we're we're griping about the heroes, but there's also going to be a new game mode called Extraction, um, where it says Rebel forces have entered some of the most dangerous places in the Outer Rim in order to extract a valuable shipment of resources. Now they must bring the shipment to their transport ship before time runs out, and the Empire has arrived to stop them from reaching the extraction point. Um, so that I mean that that sounds like it could be pretty fun. It almost sounds kind of like one sided capture the flag. Yeah. Um, and in a way kind of sounds similar to turning point as well, where, you know, the, the two sides never really switch. It's like the rebels always have one objective and the empire always has one objective. And basically the, the rebel objective is always to sort of push into Imperial territory and capture their control points. And the empire is always trying to defend and keep the rebels out. And, you know, for this extraction, it's always going to be, uh, you know, the rebels trying to protect this cargo and the empire trying to get to them and stop them and take it. Um, and then also, uh, we don't have any like pictures or details on this, but there are going to be new weapons as well. Um, they mention uh, it says arm yourself with the new Relby V10 rifle and the D12 blaster pistol and collect and equip the scatter gun, dioxys grenade, and adrenaline stim star cards. Um, so those I definitely will try out. Anytime there's you know new weapons or new power ups or whatever to use, um, I'm all about that. So um, the dioxys one sounds interesting to me. Like you throw it and the gas comes out. Like how? How much damage will that do to a character or those who are maybe in the gas? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, well, it it'll quickly or slowly. Or... Yeah, it'll probably be like your health slowly going down while you're in it or something like that. Yeah, it is like the blast rate is real wide where it takes you a while to get out of it to do a lot of damage. Or can you like quickly escape out of there with less damage? I don't know. I don't know. Or but... if you're, or if you're a Jedi, you could just hold your breath like Qui Gon and Obi Wan. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, lots of fun new stuff to look forward to there. Um, especially if Greedo or Nia Numb is your thing and you really want to play as those guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if we offended any Nia Numb and Greedo fans out there. Yeah, I- I'm sure there are tons of them and they're all going to write us angry fan mail because yeah. <laughs> people just love those guys. <laughs> um, yeah, because everybody thinks Greedo shot first, right? <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> You hardly hear defenders for that, but <laughs> yeah, there's got to be some out there, though. Yeah, uh, I I've never heard any. I think even in the on the Battlefront website, it made a joke about that, like shoot first as Greedo. Yeah, <laughs> when you get to play him. Yeah, or in some press announcement or something, they put mm, that. Yeah, but um, 
So anyway, uh, moving on to a couple pieces of comic book news. Um, they're going to be putting out a Force Awakens comic book adaptation uh, in June. It's going to be like a six-issue miniseries uh, written by Chuck Wendig, who wrote uh, Star Wars Aftermath, um, and with uh, art by Luke Ross. And this announcement has got um, some character sketches in here of uh, Ray, Foe, and uh, Foe. Oh. <laughs> Ray, Finn, and Poe <laughs> that all look pretty good. Um so I, don't, I mean, that'll be one that since I've seen the movie already and I know how it goes, I'll probably pick up the trade paperback of that once that's out. Um, in fact, I remember probably the first comic book I ever owned was as a kid. I had the the comic book adaptation of Return of the Jedi um, and for, flipped through that so much that like the pages started falling out. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that'll be something cool to pick up. Um, a lot of comics that are in that condition that you're describing, you return to <laughs> <and> I one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, at this point, a lot of them I usually will just read through once, or some of my favorite ones I'll read maybe a couple times. But as a kid, like, that was the only one I had. And I just like looking at the pictures of, you know, Luke fighting Vader and, you know, swinging his lightsaber around and stuff. And so, um, yeah, definitely got good use out of that. Yeah, and I'm kind of with you on the Force Awakens comic adaption where I'm probably just going to wait for the trade. I mean, it's going to be a six-issue limited series. So, I mean, knowing the story and having seen the movie quite a few times, and we'll see if there's, like, some added stuff in there that would be kind of cool to see, but it doesn't make it a, like, must-buy right away for to get all issues. So it'd probably be something I get in trade because when it's a movie adaption for comics, it's something I think, at least for me anyway, I'd like to have in one completed collection and not spread out through separate issues. So I'll probably hold off on the trade for that one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, yay, we're getting yet another comic set in between episodes four and five. Um, <laughs> this one focused on Han Solo. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, it takes place between Empire or between A New Hope and Empire, features other familiar characters like Chewbacca and Princess Leia. Um, you know, I mean, I like Han. I, I might check this out. I'll probably wait for, you know, the comic fans like you to tell me if it's any good and you know worth picking up. But I really wish they'd start branching out already and, you know, give us some prequel era stuff or some, you know, other other areas of the mythos that, uh, you know, haven't already been explored in and out and sideways. I'm 100% with you on that. And what, I got excited when I saw this announcement. Ooh, a new Han Solo comic series. And it went down a little bit when I said, oh, taking place between A New Hope and Empire. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking this was going to be like before A New Hope or in between. I thought it would be really cool if it was a comic series about Han and Chewie in between episodes six and seven. Exactly, like even yes. Even after, you know, it wouldn't have to fill in a whole bunch of story gaps because it could still be after he leaves Leia and after... Ben turns to the dark side and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it could have just been a cool story of him and Chewie and the new smuggler's life now. Exactly. That that's new freighter they have. When I first heard new Han Solo comic, I thought, oh, it's going to be about, you know, just like this, the smuggler adventures he and Chewie were having before Force Awakens, right? And I click on the announcement and nope, said in between episodes four and five. Oh, great. Of course. Um, yeah, and I have to say, even the premise of it, I mean, I'm going to get it. I'm going to check it out. But just the whole premise of it does not grab me worries. Like, he's. He wants to join this race called like the Dragon Void Run. It's a race he's been dreaming of entering. And then Leia sends him on like a secret mission that might make him choose to, you know, do the race or like be loyal to the rebellion. So I don't know. Just nothing that's grabbing me right away. Maybe once you actually read it, it will. But 
I will say the art on it looks fantastic. Um, the has uh, preview shots from it because Entertainment Weekly had the first reveal for it, and they had a few interior shots, and the artwork looks really good. Mm-hmm. And the cover for it, the or the artist is going to be doing the covers for each series named Lee Bermejo. He's an awesome artist. He's done a lot of great Batman comic series, there's graphic novels, one called Joker and Batman Noel. Both of those, they're good stories, but the artwork from them are just phenomenal. So to get Star Wars covers drawn by Lee Bermejo, I think for me anyway, that's going to be worth <laughs> buying the comic issues for. So definitely excited about that. But story-wise, I'll have to wait and see till I actually read it. But my expectations are kind of low on it. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that kind of piqued my interest here is they've got you know previews of, the, of a couple of the the panels from the comic, and there's one where Han's like in this bar, and a Trandoshan comes up to him. Now, this could be any random Trandoshan, but the first thing that popped into my head is like, oh, is that Bosk? And is this that bounty hunter we ran into on Ord Mantel that changed mm. his mind? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. That's true. Yeah, if it could give us a little thing like that insight to that storyline, that would be cool. For something that's taking place between uh, a new hope and empires, if we get some insight into that, for something that was actually spoken of in the movie, that would probably be make it a little easier to take for another story set in that time period. Yeah, except they don't always tie into those little references and things because I'm still mad that Clone Wars, ne- you know, Obi Wan never made a loose wire joke. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Six seasons that was such a missed opportunity. Ah, <laughs> uh, darn it! Yeah, the series is ruined now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but anyway, yeah, so, I mean, is it cool that we're getting a Han Solo comic? Yeah. Would I like to see comics about more stuff in Star Wars that we haven't already gotten a ton of stories about? Yeah. But hopefully they'll branch out eventually. Yeah, so I'll let you know, Kyle, how it is. Yeah, okay. Like I said, I might still check it out. I mean, on its own, it's not a bad thing. I mean, I'm not complaining like, oh, nobody wants to read comics about Han Solo. It's just, you know, I, I wish they'd take advantage of you know more of the the space that they have to occupy you know there's just like so many different stories you could tell exactly yeah <laughs> they just seem like they're just limiting themselves really bad in this on the comic wise i mean it's getting a little better with you know the obi-wan and anakin comic and we got the poe dameron one coming up which kind of got me excited oh maybe poe's the first you know it's just the beginning of the force awaken content that we're going to get as far as comics in that time period, which I'm sure we will. It's just disappointing to see they took a step back already with the Han Solo one. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure it's coming, but we've just been stuck in that era for too long now, it seems, when they got so many of these titles out there. Yeah. Heck, give us a mini series about Han and Chewie wrangling Rathars. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as, as a prequel to Force Awakens, when he says, you know, we used to have a bigger crew. Like, well, show us the bigger crew and him borrowing money from Kanja Club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounded pretty good, by the way. <laughs> yeah, see, all that stuff. Just, uh, it's just making me more disappointed with it <laughs> the more we talk about them, the possibilities that they could have done. Okay, well, then let's stop talking about it and start talking about something that has not been disappointing lately, and that is Star Wars Rebels. Oh, yes. Um, and, and I know some people who've had kind of mixed thoughts about this season in general. I mean, overall, I think it's been pretty good, but... Um, I mean, it, it has been kind of up and down a little bit. I think in general, like, it set the bar way high with Siege of Lothal mm-hmm. at the beginning. And then it just hasn't quite reached that bar, which you can't really blame them because that's a really high bar to hit, like, on a week-to-week basis. But at the same time, you know, it did kind of get us all excited. Like, oh, man, this is what this season's going to be like. And then it was like, oh, okay, maybe not quite so much. 
Um, but the last couple episodes have been really good. I mean, I, I actually really liked the one with uh, Zeb and Agent Callus when they yeah. were stranded together. And then the last one um, with uh, – gosh, I'm trying – what was the name of Shroud of Darkness mm-hmm. where Ezra and Kanan and Ahsoka all have their own separate Force visions. And, I mean, man, like so many bombs that they dropped in that <laughs> one. Um, like the grand inquis. Oh, okay. First of all, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it yet, cause I just want to like kind of go off on this episode a little bit cause it was awesome. So if you haven't seen it yet, be warned. Um, but you find out that the grand inquisitor used to be a Jedi, which doesn't really impact the story all that much, but it was still like, I mean, almost a whole season after his character died, like suddenly we find out this sort of big reveal about him and it's like, oh, that was cool. Um, for anyone like me who's a huge fan of the Old Republic era, um, and especially from Knights of the Old Republic 2, I mean, that's not my favorite game. I still think the first one was better. But to hear Yoda name drop Malachor, <laughs> like, holy crap. Especially once you think about the trailer that we saw for the second half of the season where, you know, they're going to this place that you know, looks like it's strong and dark side energy and they're going to be finding like old Sith relics and stuff. And I'm like, Oh snap. Like that's Malachor from KOTOR 2. Like it makes total sense. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's going to end up being the same planet, but it certainly looks similar enough. Um, and to know that like, that's probably where Darth Maul's hiding out these days. Like, Man, just uh, so awesome. Not to mention, you know, just all the stuff with, you know, Yoda teaching Ezra about the Force and stuff. And the fact that they actually inserted footage from Attack of the Clones yeah, in there. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. Um, man, such a great episode. And then, of course, the scene where Ahsoka has the vision of Anakin and, you know, he says, uh, you know, Ahsoka, why did you leave? You know, you failed me and you turned your back on me. And do you realize what I've become? And then he turns into Darth Vader and... Um, man, it's just that you know that, that was, was chill inducing there. That scene right there, yeah, that, it was Clone Wars from the beginning. Oh man, <laughs> it was so good. Um, in fact, that that's one of those episodes I'll probably go back and watch again. Um, yeah, that's one of those episodes where it's not like, oh, this is a great episode of Rebels. It was like just a great Star Wars story to see. It was yeah, so many cool moments. It was that good. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we'll kind of have to see how it plays out over the next few episodes because obviously um i mean it was a great story within itself but them you know obviously there were a lot of hints dropped that ezra might turn to the dark side or at least be seduced to the dark side and that he's sort of vulnerable in that aspect um and we know we know that darth maul is going to play into that and you know be the one that that tries to lure him over to the dark side Um, i want to ask you real quick did you watch it on disney xd or did you watch it on the disney xd app I watched it on. I think I watched it on TV. Okay, because they showed a commercial for like some of the upcoming rest of the episodes, and I first I forwarded it, but I watched that episode twice <laughs> that night. So when I watched it again, I watched that commercial. And it was actually showed new footage, and one of them was pretty interesting, where you actually see Darth Maul with Ezra as Ezra's force choking the Seventh Sister. And oh, I think I did see that. I didn't see it on TV, but someone like recorded it off their okay. TV, and I saw it on a site that posted it. Yeah, I was like, "Oh crap, man!" I forgot what Darth Maul actually says to him, but it was kind of like you know that typical dark side thing, like embrace it, show your true strength. But yeah, as I was using it on the Seven Sister, I was like, "Oh crap, man!" Things are might be getting pretty bleak for Ezra and Kanan and their master and apprentice relationship by the time the season's over. With mm-hmm. 
all right, I just can't wait to see how it all unfolds. But yeah, I love this episode too. Um, probably see, I want it's easy to say best of the season, but Siege of Lothal is technically the season premiere for season two, and I don't think it tops that, but definitely the next best one after that. And like you said, so mm-hmm. many bombs that were dropped, not with the Inquisitor, but another thing I really thought was cool was how Ahsoka, when she was talking to Ezra, said the last time she saw Anakin was right before he went off to rescue the Chancellor. Yes. So the fact, just the fact knowing that before the opening sequence of episode three, Anakin was with Ahsoka. That's just so cool. And I just think it's got to have to do with that uh, Siege of Mandalore uh, story that Rex referenced to. And because I just have a feeling that that was Anakin and and Rex's last encounter with Ahsoka because that's when Rex says he hasn't seen her since then. So that Siege of Mandalore story, man, (laughs) that's got to be something we got to get sometime down the line, whether it's a comic or... I don't know if it made it that far where it could be, you know, one of those story real Clone Wars episodes they could put online. But I just think that's a story we got to get told eventually because they've referenced it twice now, it seems like. So, you know, it's in the back of Dave Filoni's mind. So hopefully that is something not too far in the distant future we'll get to see because yes. I can't wait to see, find out what actually went down there and knowing that it's, at least I think, is going to be right before episode three started. So I thought that was a really cool reveal when Ahsoka said that. Yeah, hey, hey, psst, Dave, you've got a full story, and and they've got a, a Marvel Comics department that needs some ideas for stuff that doesn't <laughs> take place between episodes four and five. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Yeah. I was going to say, sorry, we can't use this set in the wrong time period. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, no, obviously that that is a story that needs to be told. I don't know if that necessarily would be. Um, you know, if that siege of Mandalore would be, um, yeah, it's still up in the air. I just have a feeling right before, <laughs> but, um, I mean, regardless, that would be a great story to get to, even if, you know, I mean, I want to see the siege of Mandalore and even if it's a separate story, I just want to see Anakin and Ahsoka's last encounter together. Although it does seem a little odd to me. Um, I mean, I, I almost, I kind of like the idea that Ahsoka walks out and then, like, that's it for him. And, you know, we see him and Obi-Wan dealing sort of with the aftermath of it in the uh, the Utapau story arc, um, in the, the story reels that they put online. Um, but, the, I mean, at least the way I sort of interpret it now is, like, by the time of episode three, Anakin has kind of just moved past that. And yet, that old wound of, like, her walking out on him and the council turning their back on his apprentice is still, you know, one of the many emotional scars that he's dealing with that sort of, you know, helps him make that decision to, to follow Palpatine and turn his back on the Jedi. Um, And I just think Ahsoka is such a big, important character in his life that if he saw her right before Revenge of the Sith, it just seems a little weird that he never mentions her the entire time. And obviously, you know, within the context of the movie, he wouldn't have because at the time they made Revenge of the Sith, nobody knew who Ahsoka was because she hadn't been invented yet. But from an in-universe storytelling perspective, you know, once you just kind of put this stuff all in chronological order and forget when it came out, um... You know, it's like if he had just had a reunion with his, you know, long lost Padawan who just came back, um, you know, it would have been like, yeah, I, I could have seen them, him and Obi-Wan flying into battle together to rescue the Chancellor and him saying like, hey, I'm glad to see Ahsoka was doing well or, you know, whatever, um, or telling Padme about her or something like that. You see, I kind of think it works pretty good because 
if whatever happens in that meeting with Anakin and Ahsoka that last time, I think it was they left on good terms with like Anakin got closure that okay she's doing okay maybe she you know she's good she's mm. fine on her own I don't have to worry about her and you do get a sense that at the beginning of episode three Anakin's in a pretty good mood at mm-hmm. that space battle is saying things like this is where the fun begins he's joking around with Obi Wan like you mentioned the loose wire joke so he sounded like he was in a good place that time and I kind of attribute to that. That takes place right after his meeting with Ahsoka. It was like a good meeting, and he was happy to move on. And probably, okay, I got my situation with Ahsoka taken care of. Uh, Palpatine's in trouble. I got to go rescue him, and this can finally end the Clone War. So he basically had that sense of excitement that things in his life can finally start you know, getting back to normal and the way that they should be. And, of course, we know everything goes downhill once he has that vision of Padme dying in childbirth. But at least for the setup at the beginning of Episode 3, I could see it working pretty well as him seeing Ahsoka for the last time right before that starts. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I I do agree with you. I think it definitely seems like he's, you know, he's in a good mood at the beginning of the movie and that... um, that it, you know, at least from sort of the contextual clues we have so far, it seems like they did sort of leave on good terms. Um, and that, you know, she's sort of speaking fondly of him in this episode when she says, you know, the last time I saw him, he was rushing off to rescue the chancellor. Um, again, it, it just seems a little weird to me that he wouldn't mention her at all. Like, you know, whether it was a good meeting or a bad meeting. Um, but obviously that's sort of a moot point because like I said, that, yeah, wouldn't be possible in episode three, so I'm not going to linger on that yeah. too much. <laughs> he said it right before that moment in Pan- Padme's apartment. We just says, "You are so beautiful." Like, <laughs> oh <right> gosh, on- <laughs> Tim, you're not helping. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <clears throat> I thought you were going to say he said it right before the movie started. Like as you see the the ships, <laughs> yeah, the Jedi starfighters like swooping across the bridge of the Star Destroyer in that epic opening shot. You know, he's he and Obi Wan are talking about Ahsoka like inside their cockpits that we're not hearing or whatever. Um, no, it wasn't that moment you'd least suspect it. <laughs> no, no, the, we we don't speak of this. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So obviously, you know, Rebels has been great as of late, and uh, we're coming up on the last four episodes of the season already. Um, which is kind of surprising because, you know, this, obviously we know this season was going to be longer and everything. Um, and it, uh, you know, kind of seems like the end of the season has already kind of snuck up on us here. Um, but the next episode is going to be called The Forgotten Droid. Um, this is when Chopper gets left behind at an Imperial outpost. He forms an unlikely friendship with an Imperial droid and discovers a base location for the Rebels. Um, and I'm really hoping that's Dantooine because that would be really cool. Mm. Except that Dantooine seems like it would be too similar to Lothal visually. You know, um, but it plays right into their wheelhouse as far as production and designing the series. Because that's true, they don't have the resources like they used to for Clone Wars. So that <laughs> is very that. true. Um, and then uh, the next episode is called "The Mystery of Chopper Base," and it says Kanan, Ezra, and Ahsoka prepare to depart to unravel Vader's secret, while the rebels find a way to fend off predatory creatures that occupy the planet. Um, and then the last two episodes. Um, with very foreboding titles here called Twilight of the Apprentice, Parts 1 and 2. Um, this is after gaining information about the Sith, Kanan, Ezra, and Ahsoka battle the Inquisitors with the help of a new ally, but are, <clears throat> but are overmatched when Vader arrives. Um, now, I'm wondering, is the new ally going to be Darth Maul? That's who I'm thinking it is. I mean, we got the tease of him in the trailer, and we know he's not going to be sided with 
Palpatine and the Empire Invader. So I think it's going to be kind of like the friend or the enemy of my enemy is my friend type thing where they're going to be forced to work together to try to take him down. That would be very interesting. Yeah. Um, man, yeah, visually, I, uh, if we actually get a Vader Darth Maul lightsaber fight, <laughs> man, how crazy would that be? But again, my only problem there is that the Vader, I feel like the Vader Darth Maul fight would take away from the, the drama of the Vader Ahsoka fight. Um, yeah, but at the same point. time, if it's just like this epic melee free for all, like that would be awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then eventually just comes down to Vader and Ahsoka and that's, you know, we find out if Ahsoka is going to make it out or not. But like you said, the title of the episode doesn't bode well for her. Yeah. Well, okay. Here's the thing. Like I, I've had a couple of changing thoughts on, on this since the first time I saw it, because the first time I saw these episode titles and descriptions, it was before um, I saw the last episode, Shroud of Darkness. And so initially when I, like I assumed this new ally was, um, the Jedi temple guards that we saw in the trailer. Well, after, you know, as of the last episode, we realized those guys are just, you know, a a force apparition from that, um, in that Jedi temple there on Lothal. Um, and then, um, uh, what was the other thing I was thinking? Oh, well, the, the title, the twilight of the apprentice, Uh I, I initially just thought like, Oh, that refers to Ahsoka and she's going to die. But now that they're talking about, um, you know, all this stuff about Ezra turning to the dark side, maybe that title also refers to uh, Ezra as the apprentice and maybe not that he's going to die, but it could be the twilight of Ezra's time as Kanan's apprentice. Mm, yeah, that's very possible too. And who knows, maybe Darth Maul <laughs> fits with that title too as an apprentice. But very it, true. He never became a Sith master, even though he tried to be Savage's master. Officially, he was never a Sith master. Always yeah. Sith apprentice, so. Very true. I've heard some uh, speculation too, but maybe that new ally might be Callus, given how the, mm. uh, what was the last episode called? The Honorable Ones, how it ended, where, you know, it looks like he's not completely sold on the way the Imperials do things now after that experience with Zeb. So, but the description does say the battle um, with the Inquisitors and Vader, they get a new ally. So I don't think. Ka- Agent Callus is going to be much help in a battle with the Force-sensitive users. Yeah, exactly. So, this makes me think it's going to be Darth Maul. And who knows, maybe we're you know geeking out too much thinking he's going to be in a lightsaber battle with Vader, but maybe he can just provide some information or insight that will help in their uh, fight against Vader and the Inquisitors. So maybe he might not do anything physically, but still provide some assistance. While maybe not as cool as a lightsaber fight, just the fact that Darth Maul is going to be involved with this again is can't wait to see it. I'm hoping that even if they don't fight, him and Vader come face to face and they have some dialogue with each other because that would still be cool to see also. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I, I do really hope this doesn't turn out to be another situation where it's just like, oh, they opened up Darth Maul's holocron or Darth Maul's like a force vision or something. Um, I mean, I I really totally see him being like a wild card in all this. And I really am, you know, anxious to know like what his role is going to be, especially, you know, thrown in uh, this whole other, you know, pivotal storyline with like Vader and Ahsoka and Kanan and Ezra and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, how the heck is Darth Maul going to fit into all that? Um, and to see him and Vader come face to face, that would be really awesome. Um, 
Yeah, I, I will, say, will say we'll be disappointed if he ends up just being like a Force Vision or something from a holocron. It doesn't look like it because from the few shots we did see of him, it does look like he's physically there. But at the same time, you know, the Grand Inquisitor <laughs> and the T- Jedi Temple Guards look like they were really there too. So you never know. But it just makes sense, I think, for him to go to uh, Malachor as a planet. You know, he, where else is he going to go throughout the galaxy? Go somewhere, you know, that looks to be a lot of... The, dark side energy there and mm-hmm. i'm not too familiar with the whole history of it from knights of the old republic so maybe i'm off base as far as it being a dark side planet type uh world where there's dark side energy in there or yeah basically well so i think the sort of the backstory of it and i don't know how much of this they're going to keep or refer sure. to in rebels but in the knights of the old republic games um so you had you know darth revan who was like a jedi who led the republic army against the mandalorians in this huge war where um, you know, the Mandalorians had a huge army. They were fighting the Republic. They were winning and the Jedi didn't want to get involved. And Revan, er, Revan rebelled and took a bunch of Jedi to go lead the Republic troops and turn the whole thing around, started pushing back the Mandalorians. And the final battle was over this planet called Malachor five. Um, and basically I think Revan went down like on the surface of the planet, uh, killed the Mandalorian leader in single combat and then activated some weapon. And I forget what the name of it is because it's been forever since I've played KOTOR 2. But um, it was some like gravity or uh, what was it? it was some kind of gravity generator that basically it was like a space battle going on over the planet. And it just like pulled down like the Mandalorian ships and the Republic ships and just like sent them all crashing down to the planet and, you know, killed like tons of people. But it was, you know, basically dealt a bigger blow to the Mandalorians than it did to the Republic. And Revan was just willing to sacrifice a bunch of his own forces for it. But it was like the final crushing blow to the Mandalorians. So a lot of people died there. And then years later, like some Sith set up like a training academy there. And so that's where like in, in KOTOR 2, you go to Malachor 5 and it's sort of like the last planet at the end of the game where you go and fight the these Sith that are trying to you know spread out and take over the galaxy. And so they that's where they train like their dark acolytes and all this kind of stuff. Um, but also because of this weapon that Revan used, it's also like a fractured, like the planet is barely holding together. Um, and actually at the end of the game, which is kind of lame because they, I remember like they had to rush the ending and the, it's sad, like the second game itself really isn't 100% complete, but it has kind of got like this rush ending where you defeat the main villain, you get back to your ship, you fly off and just see the planet like falling apart behind you. Um, but anyway, yeah, it is definitely a, a dark planet. It's like basically just a big black rock with like sort of green energy crackling around it and you know sort of this like i said a, a pretty dark history of you know battles and war and stuff so yeah so yeah fitting place for for uh an ancient half a sith lord to go hide out yeah exactly that's <laughs> <laughs> that's where i was getting at where hopefully it would make sense for from a story point that that's would be a logical location for dark fall to be hiding at you know biding his time for whatever will happen or just uh staying the remainder of his life at that planet and just waiting for you know getting as much knowledge as he can about the dark side and just waiting out the rest of his life there or maybe he was had a force vision knowing ezra would come or something would be drawn to him there so who knows how they're going to do it but i think there are numerous ways to make it work where that would be a logical place for darth maul to go to so Mm -hmm. yeah no, I, i think that part of it definitely makes sense um and i don't know exactly how he would get there but heck if we can believe that 
he survived as half a person for 10 years just (laughs) based on his hate and the, you know, dark side energy keeping him alive, then I can believe he somehow, you know, stole a ship and got to Malachor. Yeah, that's not going to be an issue for me, (laughs) no matter what they say. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so anyway, that's Rebels. Um, You know, definitely looking forward to these last few episodes of the season. Um, And, uh, yeah, I'm sure, you know, once the season's over, you know, even though we're mostly focused on the movies and stuff, we might do like a season two, you know, review episode or something like that, just looking back on the whole thing. Um, Also, a little bit of collecting news. I mean, you know, we don't really talk about this much, but um, I know they had like the, the big toy fair in New York recently. Um, and you know, a lot of new stuff coming out of there. Also, you know, they had an action figure of, uh, Darth Maul from Rebels and he's basically, um, just sort of, you know, got black pants and still, I think he still had like the robot legs, but there's, you know, very like streamlined, you know, they're not like the chicken legs anymore. Um, and then, you know, he was kind of like shirtless, but had sort of like a, a hood shawl wrap kind of thing on, um, not really a shirt, but just like some black cloth draped around his head and torso. Um, and we also got our first looks at the six inch black series figures of, uh, Darth Revan and Sabine and, uh, Kanan and Ahsoka. And those all look amazing and I need to buy all of them. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, if you guys are collectors and uh, I mean, obviously, if you're real big collectors, you've probably seen a lot of the stuff already and, you know, the pictures that were coming out of there. But um, if you're so inclined and you haven't yet, you can uh, definitely look that stuff up and uh, and all that stuff is looking good. Yeah, I'm still working on my way to complete my some of the Force Awakens figures I still need. <laughs> but to start worrying about some of the Rebels and other stuff, Black Series figures coming out. So not quite done with my Force Awakens uh, collecting yet. Yeah, I guess I'm most uh, I've pretty much got all the Force Awakens figures I want. I might get the old Han Black Series figure that uh, I think is out now, um, or is like just starting to hit shelves. Um, and they've also got like a Stormtrooper Finn, but like I've already got Finn. I've already got you know classic Han. Um, I really want them to come out with a a Ray figure that like comes with a lightsaber and has her like in her outfit from the end of the movie where she goes and finds Luke, but they haven't released that yet. Um, I know. Not, not the six-inch version, anyway. A Luke Black Series figure needs to happen. Well, yes, and that, too, obviously. <laughs> and that's the main one that I'm waiting for as far as Force Awakens figures. I also need to pick up a Poe Dameron figure that does not look like his eyes are being squeezed out of his head. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I'll finally be getting my Captain Phasma Black Series pretty soon. i got to give a shout-out to our good friend Paul Herman, who was able to pick one up for me just out of one of his local stores because I have yet to see one just hanging on the pegs anywhere. I went to my local Toys R Us about a week ago and they actually had some Kylo Ren, which I thought was surprising, and a few other Black Series figures. Definitely more on the shelves, but a lot of the same ones, but still no Captain Phasma. But Paul was cool enough to find one and hook me up, so pretty soon I'll have that Captain Phasma Black Series figure in my collection. I will be most pleased to get that out of the box and on display. It is an awesome figure, I can tell you that. I've got mine sitting on my desk right now, and uh, she's a very much uh, appropriately sized and proportioned as well. Like I've got her standing right next to my uh, pilot Luke black series figure. And like, she's a full head taller than he is. <laughs> nice. Cause I got one st- regular Stormtrooper black series figure. And then I got a uh, flame trooper black series figure recently. That's still in the box. I'm waiting to get my Captain Phasma to 
opened that one up and you know put her in front of those two troopers uh, to kind of have her on display like Captain Phasma and her two troops and I just probably wouldn't I don't think they have a snow trooper one but if they had one of those I'd get that also you know pretty mm-hmm. much all the trooper designs of the black series figures would be cool to have one on display so I'm looking forward to that yeah I I I think of all the ones that are out right now the only other one that I still want to pick up is the um the two pack that's got Poe Dameron in like the resistance jacket and then the riot trooper. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Cause those both look pretty good. Yeah. And the Poe Dameron's face on that one looks much better than the one in his <laughs> X-Wing pilot suit does. Um, unless, I mean, maybe they'll re-release that and, and redo his face. Cause like I love Poe and I really would love to have an action figure of him in his X-Wing pilot suit. But I just, every time I see it, I'm like, ooh, Poe Dameron. Uh, no, I don't really want that one. That yeah, doesn't the, look like him. He's the one Black Series figure I kept seeing on the shelves even from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Back in September. So you probably won't have a hard time finding him once you do feel like, eh, I should probably just get him to complete the collection out. Yeah. Well, the other thing, I'm like, if I get both versions, then I could just like swap the heads and have like the good looking head on the x one pilot suit. There you go. But you shouldn't have to put that much work into it. It should look awesome. Yeah, and that much money. Like, why am I going to spend $40 on figures when really I just want, like, my $20 worth because I'm just going to make one figure out of it. Yep. (laughs) But that's Um, the plan. Buy two. That was the plan from the beginning. Let's make Poe not look good from the start so you could buy another one later on. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the the, the one other Black Series figure that I'm waiting for them to make from The Force Awakens is, uh, you know, Kylo Ren without the helmet. Um, cause even, I think it's like Kmart has an exclusive one where he's, uh, you know, in the snow. Um, and I, I kind of want to get that one just because his lightsaber looks better. Like it's got the blades coming out separately from each of the three points. And it's not like just a little trident thing that you stick on the lightsaber handle. Um, but it's like, he's in the snow, but he's still wearing the mask and it comes even with like a little snow base stand thing that you can stand him on and like his boots are kind of white with snow on him but i'm like he wasn't wearing his helmet in that scene he was in the trailer but he wasn't in the movie yeah <laughs> does it say trailer version of kylo ren in the snow <laughs> i think it just says snow battle or something but i'm like i need my movie accurate version yeah yeah you don't want to get that then. no but anyway, um, last couple things before we finish up here, um, we've got the, you know, it, it's March again, so they're about to start this uh, Star Wars This Is Madness tournament for the fourth year in a row. Um, of course, this year they've got a bunch of Force Awakens characters on the bracket, um, as well as a couple new Rebels characters, like they've got uh, the fifth brother and the seventh sister um, on the uh, dark side, and um you know, then of course, obviously they've got Ray and Finn and BB-8 and Kylo Ren and uh, General Hux and Captain Phasma. Um, so, and now, luckily, I, I think it's a little less confusing this year because they're not having like the write-in or, or wild card or whatever where you like choose the. Uh, you know, ha- they have like a preliminary vote for like a couple of the, the spots on the roster. Um, it's just, they've got the pre-made bracket filled out. You can see the whole thing on starwars.com and then the voting starts on March 14th. Um, and then you can also go to, let's see. I know you can like fill out your own bracket and submit it and try to win prizes. And I forget where you go to do that. I know they're, parking, they're partnering up with uh, Wikipedia again for that. I'm not sure if that's oh, okay. where you go for it. But. 
Okay, yeah, I think that is where you had to go less. Or actually, it was like it was like StarWars.Wikia.com, or, or maybe it was just Wikia, and there was like a Star Wars section, but it wasn't directly on Wikipedia, if I remember right. Um, but anyway, if you look on, if you look at the StarWars.com article, it's got a link to this Predict the Madness page. Um, and actually, it looks like it is on Wikipedia, so... Um, and then you, you know, log in and register and fill out your bracket, and then you can win some pretty cool prizes, um, including, uh, Hasbro RC BB-8s and Black Series figures and Star Wars headphones and Droid Tales DVDs and all that good stuff. Yeah, this one, again, I've probably not since the second one, I haven't been too invested in the This Is Madness tournaments that they have, but given this one has some Force Awakens characters, I'm interested to see how the results play out. I mean, some of them are no-brainers because, you know, Fifth Brother versus Darth Vader. I'll be surprised if Fifth Brother <laughs> gets any votes. But <laughs> uh, characters like Ray, Finn, Poe, you know, Kylo Ren, I'm curious to see how they do. And I'm kind of hoping for a Ray-Kylo Ren uh, final matchup. While they have to overcome some classic characters to make it that far, it, I think it'd be pretty interesting for this year, given it the first time with Force Awakens characters, if we had the main hero and the main villain go up against each other, because you know they're great characters in their own right. So we'll see if the newness factors of you know having them being so ingrained in our memories most recently by seeing the movie and other fans too, if they get the majority of the votes. So it's I'll be paying attention more to this one probably than I have the last few years to see how these new characters do. Yeah. And of it's, course, Captain Phasma will be getting my votes. She's up against Dooku first, so I think she has a pretty good chance of beating him <laughs> in the first round. Uh, I don't know. I mean, she looks cooler than Dooku, but she didn't really do much. True, but I'm I'm going on the coolness factor on this one. <laughs> <laughs> but if she wins, even if... Django is going up against Kylo Ren, and no matter who wins that one, I don't think Captain Phasma's going to make it. So <laughs> if she can just beat Dooku, I'll be happy. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think Kylo Ren's going to win at least that portion of the bracket. Or, or it's going to, yeah, that, that bottom right sort of quadrant, like those eight, it's going to come down to Kylo Ren and Boba Fett. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Callus and Grievous. <laughs> I don't think none of them are going to make it far of that battle, and then Boba Fett's definitely going to beat Hugs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Um, and then lastly, uh, you've probably seen, well, lastly, before Tim reads some emails from our, uh, fantastic listeners who, uh, wrote us their thoughts. Um, but you've probably, uh, seen us posting on Facebook and Twitter, uh, the past few days or so about these Star Wars, uh, the, the Star Wars podcast awards, um, which is a, a fan started thing, um, where they've had people, you know, nominate their favorites in all these different podcast categories, um, from, you know, shows and hosts to, you know, various topics and intro themes and all that kind of stuff. Um, so we've been nominated for a few awards, um, as well as uh, a couple of the other, uh, Star Wars podcasts here in our Thunderquack podcast network. Um, and so, uh, let's see the ones that are still open. And I think these are just semifinals because they're still like, for each category, there's like a pretty long list. And so I think they're probably narrowing these down to, I don't know, like the top five or so that are going to be like the finalists that then are, you know, sort of the nominees for each category, but we're at least in the running for now, which is exciting um, that at least some of you out there decided to go and vote for us, which uh, we very much appreciate. Um, so the ones that are still open that you can vote for, uh, you can vote for uh, the Thunderquack network as the favorite podcast network, uh, 
uh, we at the Star Wars The Saga Continues were nominated for Best Intro Theme, so you can vote for that. Uh, the Rebels podcast uh, was nominated for Best Review Show. Uh, Frontline's The Clone Wars podcast uh, is up for uh, Favorite Retired Podcast. And then for People's Choice, uh, The Saga Continues and The Rebels podcast are both nominees in that category um, for sort of Best Overall Podcast, I guess. So uh, if you are so inclined, we would love to have your support. If you would, uh, you can, I know it's on our Facebook page and probably, yeah, we've got a link to it on our Twitter as well. Um, which is basically it's just a link to the Facebook post, and you can see uh, all those different awards that I just mentioned, and there's a link for each one to the website that you go to to vote for it. Um, also, Tim got a nomination for Best Fanboy Host as well, but I think that category has already closed, right? Yeah, that closed um, on uh, this past Sunday, the 6th. Yeah, but so I hopefully... It was just awesome to be <laughs> nominated for that part uh, of the podcast awards. If anything, it probably just means I sound more like an idiot and being so excited for something. <laughs> I appreciate being getting votes and being nominated for that. So thank you, everybody, for making that possible. It was pretty cool. Yeah, so the, the voting for that one is closed, but hopefully some of you went and voted for them, and uh, hopefully many of you will take a couple minutes to go and vote for us in the rest of these categories, and it would be awesome if we made it uh, to the next round of the voting in any of these um, and, uh, you know, not get swept like, uh, the force awakens did at the Oscars. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we'll have more success there than they did. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, that is it for, you know, all the, the news and stuff. Um, and before we wrap up, Tim, you want to go ahead and, uh, read whatever emails we've got from our listeners. Um, yeah, we've got two emails to read on this episode. The first one comes from Adam. He says, welcome back. Love the podcast. Lonely on Battlefront playing on the PC, but anyway, have you guys heard the theory of Han turning Kylo's lightsaber on himself? Would that make his son Ben redeemable and a nice twist? And maybe Rey is immaculate conception like Anakin was. Keep up the good, pos- co- uh, keep up the good <laughs> podcasting, boys, Adam. So first off, Adam, uh, sorry it's lonely on there on Battlefront on the PC. We're, <laughs> we're having fun on the, the Xbox One, but... I- do wish they could do the cross-platform stuff more often because mm-hmm. it'd make it so much more fun if we can get together with other people on the different consoles, especially on PC and Xbox, since they're both Microsoft. I don't think that should be too difficult, but <laughs> apparently it is. But uh, it'd be cool to play with more people who are listeners of the show, too. So if anyone's on an Xbox One, you can uh, look out for us there because we're still playing on there on a not quite as regularly like every day, but still at least once a week we try to meet up and play. So oh, absolutely. So fun. But as far as uh, Adam's theory on Han turning Kylo Ren's lightsaber on himself, that one, I've actually first heard about it through Adam's email, but then afterwards I heard some more theories on that. And for me, it's something I never really thought of. Uh, when I first saw it and the other times I saw it, it didn't really look like Han would. It's like he was going to take it for himself, but Kylo wouldn't let it go. And so I don't think that was the case, but if that was an idea or a possibility... I'm not sure how I feel about that because, as I said in our Force Awakens episode, I just love the idea of why Kylo Ren's doing this. I mean, yeah, him trying to resist the temptation of the light side of the Force and knowing this is what he needs to do to do that and fully embrace the dark side and doing what uh, Darth Vader could never do and kill his son to embrace that dark side but he's taking it a step further and killing his father for that or vice versa luke doing that and killing his father instead he redeemed him but kylo went kylo ren went all the way up there and took out his father so i'm not sure kylo ren even needs to be redeemed by the end of this um i don't know if we necessarily need to see another anakin or 
uh, type redemption story by the time we get to episode nine. So if Kylo Ren has his own thing, I'm all for that. And him killing Han and embracing the dark side is kind of leaning towards that, where I don't think he's going to be redeemed. So that's my take on it. I never actually heard that theory. It did make you did make me think for a while. So like, was that actually possible? And how would I feel if that was the case for Han to do that to make his son be redeemed in the end? But I don't know. I'm kind of glad the way it turned out in the end. But how about you, Kyle? Yeah. Is that something you ever noticed? Well, I mean, it's not something I ever thought about while watching the movie. Um, I think this email might have also been the first time I heard of that, but I did hear it going around the internet a, a bit and, uh, you know, heard, even saw some people having some pretty heated discussions where some people were like, oh, that makes so much sense. And other people were like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Um I think it has actually been officially debunked that that's not what happened because um, I read an interview with – I forget if it was Lawrence Kasdan or um, – I don't think it was J.J. Abrams. It wasn't – you know, or it wasn't like Harrison Ford or anybody, but it was either you know like a, a writer or producer or maybe the editor of the movie or something. Um, and they asked them if they had heard that theory and they were like, what? No, I, I, this is the first time I've heard of that, but that is not at all what happened. Um so, yeah, I mean, it is sort of an interesting theory that because, uh, I mean, you don't really ever see Han or Kylo like actually activate the lightsaber. You just see Han trying to take it from him and then you kind of just see their faces as the blade suddenly is going through his chest. Um, and so I could see why, where there's kind of room for interpretation there. But I, I think the intent is clearly that uh, that Kylo stabbed him. Um, yeah. And plus, even beforehand, you know, Leia said to Han, bring our son back and that was Han's goal, not, you know, sacrifice himself for his son to be redeemed mm-hmm. later on. So I think his full intent was on, you know, taking that lightsaber, either tossing it aside and bringing his son back with him. Yeah. Not that it makes him, I mean, I, I guess it does sort of in a way make him irredeemable, but at the same time, I don't know that I would say he's completely irredeemable, especially because um, I think, isn't it like in the book where it um, sort of describes more his, his internal struggle there and he's like, that didn't feel as good as I thought it would. Or, you know, instead of feeling freed or more powerful, he sort of felt like even more conflicted or more guilty or something. Um, And so, you know, maybe in his mind, he still is kind of torn between the two. But at the same time, I think, uh, you know, even J.J. Abrams has said this in interviews, like part of the reason he wanted to have uh, Kylo Ren kill off Han Solo is that basically Han's purpose in this movie is to help set up um, Kylo Ren as like a really yeah as a serious threat as a villain like yeah this isn't just some guy running around in a mask who wants to be like Darth Vader like that's the guy who freaking killed Han Solo like he's evil yeah and he's willing to do anything to get what he wants even kill his own father mm-hmm. so yeah I think it sets up his story that we're going to see for episodes eight and nine better knowing that he did this all on his own and that that was his full intention on killing Han. So yeah, that definitely made me think. So <laughs> thanks for sharing that theory with us, Adam. And then also we got an email from Patrick who says, uh, Hey guys, just finished listening to the latest podcast and it got me thinking I'm stuck on the fact that Ray and the millennium Falcon were both on Jakku together. Heard a plot theory that suggested Kylo was the one who brought Ray to Jakku. Maybe Ben stole Dad's ride, kidnapped the little girl, and abandoned them on the same planet. Maybe Ben traded the Falcon to have Uncar Plett take care of Ray as a child. I know that Ray thinks the Falcon was stolen, but maybe that was a cover story from Plett to mask why she is really there. Thoughts? Yeah, this is another one 
I've, another theory I've heard other people talk about too. And out of all the rape theories and the reasons why she's there <laughs> that's being thrown around, this is one that I can't see being as one of the more plausible uh, situations of why she's there. That Kylo is the one, the fact, in fact, who brought her there. Uh, we don't know the reasons why, and if it's because you know they're related somehow, as either still brother and sister or cousins. But the idea that Kylo Ren knows something about Rey, even as a little girl, causing her to maybe leave her on Jakku, it still, I think, in a way, makes sense when it's down the line. Because there's still that scene in the movie where once that Imperial officer mentions the girl, that just sets Kylo off Mm -hmm. and he just grabs him. So he knows something about Rey Mm -hmm. even before he meets her in The Force Awakens. So that's another one I can see playing out as a possibility that Kylo was the one who... You know, left her there with the Falcon and all that, and kind of either through the Force, some you know mind white type thing, or with Uncar plot using a, a Force mind trick on him, you know, making him think he won the Falcon or from someone else and all that, and maybe somewhere leaked it out in the galaxy where that someone stole it. That's how Han found out that it was stolen. So tons of things that could make this theory work whereas that Kylo Ren was the one behind it. So I don't know. I think it kind of would be a cool way to see it go down that way. What do you think, Kyle? Yeah, possibly. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, obviously it's one of those things that we'll have to kind of wait and see how the whole raised parentage thing plays out. Because, I mean, as of now, I think it probably is just a coincidence that she's there. And it's a pretty big coincidence for sure. Um, you know, and again, it's part of the reason why before the movie came out, I thought she was going to be Han and Leia's daughter because I thought Han left the Falcon there for her. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess the biggest sort of deterrent for me with that theory is the fact that, um, you know, that it's not just Rey who thinks it was stolen, but that it's, you know, Han knows it was stolen by the same person that Rey said stole it. Um, and it was like, I could understand if, you know, Unkar plot told her stories or if Kylo, you know, sort of. I don't know, brainwasher or told her something or whatever. But, um, you know, for Han to think the same thing, like, like you said, it could have just kind of gotten leaked out there, but I would think like it's the millennium Falcon. Han Solo has got to keep pretty close tabs on it and he's going to know who stole his ship. Or it could have been, it was stolen. I'm blanking on the original person who, he said it was like Duquesne. Yeah. Maybe Kylo got it back from Duquesne without Han knowing about it. And then he took right there and left it on there. So that could be another possibility. Possibly. He just, he just didn't want Han to know about it, too. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Um, either way, you know, it, like I said, it is a pretty big coincidence that the Millennium Falcon just happens to be on the same planet. But, you know, as we've said before, the Force works in mysterious ways. and um, yep. <laughs> That's the go-to explanation. <laughs> you know, there, there's no such thing as luck. Yep. Especially when you're dealing with a Force-sensitive character that's there. That's what makes it all tie in. If they don't give any explanations and this theory about Kylo leaving the Falcon and Rey there, I mean, the, since Rey is Force-sensitive, you know, like you said, the Force works in mysterious ways, and that's how the Falcon ended up being there in the end for her to get out. So mm-hmm. if there's no other explanation, just go to it's the will of the Force. <laughs> <laughs> yep, pretty much. Works every time. <laughs> But uh, thanks for the email, Patrick and Adam. Uh, it's always great to get you know different theories out there on The Force Awakens because, as we talked about, even though we've seen the movie plenty of times, there's still much to discuss and uh, theorize about until we get to Episode 8, which I'm sure is just going to cause more theories, not only for that, but for The Force Awakens. And that's kind of why I would like the Episode 8 to, you know, 
put some closure on some of the theories and questions we have for The Force Awakens. Part of me think we will, and then it's just going to raise some new questions also for both movies. So maybe not till Episode Nine we'll finally have definitive information and all these thoughts and ideas going around with these new characters. So until then, we'll just have fun speculating with you guys. So thanks for the emails. Yeah, definitely. It, it is cool that even though you know we won't have any more big news on The Force Awakens, we'll still have plenty of speculation. Um, especially, like you said, just the more stories that come out and sort of add fuel to the fire. Um, like until we've gotten the complete picture, there'll still be, you know, things left dangling for us to wonder about. So um, definitely, you know, something that I'm still looking forward to in the future as far as finding out, you know, where Ray came from and who her parents are and, you know, all, all this other stuff, especially, you know, Kylo and the Knights of Ren and how Snoke seduced him and all that. So um, definitely more story to be filled in there in the future. Yep, and we'll um, be here to gobble it all up once it's fed to us. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, just about going to do it for us. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. As always, um, it's great to have you along with us as we're, you know, speculating and talking and uh, just geeking out over all this awesome Star Wars stuff. So, uh, you know, thanks again for joining us. Um, as always, you can follow us on social media, you know, on Facebook. You can find us at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. You can follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. Uh, you can check out our website, starwarstsc.com, and you can uh, send us emails at uh, starwarstsc at gmail.com, um, and we will read... Uh, you know, we're always happy to read listener emails and just, uh, you know, even stuff that you guys post on Facebook and Twitter and just send us questions and stuff. And we love interacting with fellow Star Wars fans. That's why we do a podcast in the first place. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that's uh, just about going to do it. So thank you guys for listening. We will see you next time. And may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody. And go vote.